Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies. Sure, we're trying to talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I'm your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Shankal. To my right. Calm here. And that's all she wrote. You're very quiet. You're very muted, Michael. Mm-hmm. Very, 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 very muted intro there. I felt like I was concentrating a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it should be second nature at this point, really. Mm. I but do, do you ever like you do something like a thousand times or fifty-seven times to be more specific? But um, and it's just kind of second nature, and you just you just kind of you start do to it, think but, about it too much. But then you actually catch yourself thinking about it, and you're like, how the fuck do I normally do? One end kind of thing. Do you ever play a, like, there's times that you play a song live and we all I think I've played this at least 130 times in, yeah. my, in my lifetime and then you start thinking about how second nature it is or how your fingers are moving or whatever all, oh I'm, a, I'm just about to focus up <laughs> this verse has just fallen into my brain for some reason and go no it's a bee it's a number no, it's, oh fucking hell I'm about to fucking drop this band <laughs> <laughs> or they're about to drop me as it were as opposed to dropping that beat <laughs> you know what I mean beats were not dropped but, but you, <laughs> you, you, dropped. you just gotta make a thing out of it like like just trash the keyboard and hey, walk just be off all this bro no. uh, just do a Nirvana just a uh, uh, that's what happened in Nirvana every show <laughs> <laughs> they, play, they played until they forgot the songs and then trashed the list <laughs> if, only was, if only it was that cool I kind of got away with it Mick yeah, yeah. You, Most... should, you should have been you know you should have been my attorney you know his agent I should be your trasher uh, you just you, give you just give me the head nod I just uh, jump up on stage you, trash you, you the list moved in real close right to the ear and it's real cool cool real what Oh, have you forgot the song? <laughs> we all, Hi. Just fuck your keyboard off the stage. <laughs> what? <laughs> fuck your keyboard off the stage. I don't love it. And then, uh, <laughs> I couldn't do it because uh, I, I spent half my student loan on it. <laughs> and, then, and, and then Mick was all, uh, you know, I'm out. <laughs> Way to represent uh, people with balls. <laughs> it's all right, sorry, Mick. You know this uh, this relationship is expunged. It's like a really low key, almost famous, really, like, isn't it? <laughs> also, as well, before Mickey does play the Danger Ball theme, which I see in the second for there. Mickey's got the brains. You see, I'm thinking, Mickey would the brains. Would that be your dream I just job? Had the pash. He had the brains. Would that be your dream job? Professional treasure. 
Yeah, I mean, I very much did in life anyway, so yeah. I might as well get paid for it. I think it. I'm pretty sure of this. Jack Black ever wrote a song about him, maybe called Hayball Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Jack White, eh? Not Jack Black. Jack White. <laughs> the, the very one. The very same. Wait, why, why did you say Jack Black then, Heron? Uh, you look like Jack Black to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Remember out there at the phone uh, club? Say, like, oh, you look exactly like yeah. Jack White, man. It's fucking unreal. I, I love this film. Film club Mechazaw or Pine. It's pretty much the way it was. Mechazaw, ah, well, you know, or Pine. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if this person listens to the podcast or not. Uh, so if, if, if you do, <laughs> thank you for coming to the film club and listening to the podcast. I understand what you're saying. People have said it to me before. You just don't need to say it to me four times in about five minutes and start just <laughs> generally calling me Jack. <laughs> and start eating our, our, our sponsored free pizza. Yeah. I thought Mike, he was... But I'm a cheek. But I'm a cheek. I thought Mike, he was going to say, I see, I really appreciate you coming to the phone club, but you're barred for life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's good to see you. I don't know. Good to see you. all like a wife and all out there. Lovely girl. Barred. <laughs> <laughs> Danger bottle is we bottle buy a bottle of buy a bottle of buy. We bottle of buy a. Can I do this week for crack? I'll go ahead. Danger bottle, we buy a bad man's bottle and we uh, we put it in front of these three boys and then we decide whether to drink it or not. We obviously do drink it. But, uh, <laughs> she like five five dollars cheaper five dollars. <laughs> But that rule been expunged, as Mickey's telling me on my left shoulder here. <laughs> we don't do that no more. We don't do that no more, because that's a bad man thing. <laughs> well, in all fairness, I got the danger ball this week, yeah. and I have uh, stuck very firmly to the traditional rule of being under a fiver, because I'm fucking skint. <laughs> Shall I reveal it? As I say, yes, please. As I say we just drink the damn thing. <laughs> well, a danger ball this week. I did not know they don't, and uh, of course as well, as I'm currently unemployed and don't have much money, <laughs> the danger ball this week is. You make a four, so charming. Four Copperberg fruit lagers. Ooh! No, you. That's not cheap at all. No, but see, that's a That's not cheap at all. Let me explain. You would assume that uh, <laughs> Copperberg and stuff again. One would assume. <laughs> one would assume. <laughs> you would assume that anything with a Copperberg label attached to it is going to be expensive, but. I think it must be like rather no. Is, is, is the oh, cider expensive? Uh, is the cider runoff or something? No, but see, this one. I, this is the runoff. It's the bomb of barrel stuff. I, 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 the head of fucking Copperberg. Let's dress it up as fruit lager. <laughs> this is this is the skin. This is the liquid they manage to squeeze out of the skin of the apple. Because the easiest go for the core. This is the fucking. They just rain, just rain it out like a witch. Yeah, I mean, just that fucking put that in a bottle. Yeah, fucking bitch. <laughs> Fruit, fruit lager, a.k.a. White Lightning by another name. Just <laughs> <laughs> White Lightning with a fucking apple squeezed on it. But... What's she at in the Richter's kilo? Usually, but do you know what? This is the actual reason that I bought it. I've seen it today. Now, for Copperberg and four of them, you would assume it's going to be expensive. For these four small bottles, only a fiver. Not bad. Nice, nice, nice. But also, I thought to myself, right, obviously, if you're getting four of them and they're only a fiver, it's going to be like fucking 2%, 2.5%. They're 5% each. <laughs> so, it's pretty good. Pretty tight, pretty tight. Pretty good deal. It's a good deal. That's a good deal. Berg, you know what I'm saying? So, if you want to crack them open, I don't even... They're lemon and lime flavor. 
Anyway, I'll say, crack mm. that open for yourself. We used to have a bottle and then we can, opener. If they're really nice, one. we can scrap of the last one later. Hmm. Is there a bottle, is there a bottle opener? opener? There used to be one in here. I have, a, this one? I have a phone. It's a I fucking phone. clothes pig. It's not a bottle opener. Can I use your phone, Mick? I don't have a phone. Do you have a phone? No. How are we going to open these? Here, Usually I'll, there's somebody who can here, open I'll, a bottle opener. I'll find my phone here. Two seconds. Oh, no, there it is there. Yes. Two seconds. <laughs> Mickey's trying to off against the side of the table. <laughs> Go on, son. Yay, oh, mine too. Can you do the table on, Shane? Whatever happened to screw caps? See, I'm always afraid because <laughs> they, fucking... they never came to Derek. <laughs> I'm always afraid because I slashed the fucking bottle. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't know what's this like to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I... Uh, there we go. <laughs> oh, no. It's fizz, it's fizz pumping. Aaron's got it. Motherfucker. I should have used the other bottle. You, <laughs> you, you open can, a bottle with a Samsung. Yeah. You can open a, you can open a bottle uh, with another bottle. I, I downloaded the, the bottle opening app. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't actually see it on my phone. But you can you, see it on the, on the body of the phone. You, you, uh, you can see it when, when, when boys need you know it open. You're all, no, that's a bottle opening app there. But how do you do that there? I saw an E download app, don't you? Like? <laughs> so shall we try... That's, that's them real apps. Them real apps. Shall we try the off-run of uh, Copperberg Cider, which they have uh, very, very cannily rebranded yeah. as Fruit Lager? Yeah. Shall we? Let's do this yeah. thing. Cheers, 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 cheers. The skilled... The skilled? Fuck me. It's like a fucking dull boy. Uh, the distilled skin. Do you know what's not bad? I think I could get very sick on them, because... It's not bad, but it's not really good. Either. Yeah, it's, it's very mulled. It's like an it, apple Kroner. It it mm. needs to be chilled. I think that's why the bottle shaped the same as Kroner's. Well. Yeah, um, I think as well that that's what they're trying to sell. Flavor wise, I'm no fucking connoisseur, but I think it's one of them ones. You get a big fucking massive hit of lemon and lime at the very start, and then you get like the aftertaste of beer. I think uh, if I blended that or balanced that a bit better, it'd be a bit more pleasing. Like I saw yourself. Did the nonies do a thing where you can you know crack things off? You know, with a lighter or something, crack a top off a bottle with a lighter. Yeah. I'm shit at it. No, it's just I don't have a lighter. <laughs> it's really I, do, I can I, do it with a piece of paper as well. What? Fuck the fucking ways up. You can open a bottle with a piece of paper. Give me a piece of paper. This and has I'll to open be a video for the Facebook bottle. page. Give me a fucking piece. I want to see this. <laughs> You're a fucking ball bag. No paper. We just have empty bottles and fucking candles. I can oh, do man. it with a bit of cardboard. Do it. Go on. Give me a cardboard. Give me a pruny beer cardboard. Gives a bit of goodness. Right here, Shan, do you Should want to record this? I'll record this yeah. for the Facebook people. Put it on Periscope. Nah, we'll just record. Keep that. Alright, then, Mike. No, put it on Periscope. Go, Periscope. Uh, no, because you can't record on Periscope. And I'd prefer to record this it on Periscope. Go on, Michael. Hey, have you pressed record yet, Shan? Uh, no. <laughs> Where's the other bottle? I'm not technologically advanced. So, this is Michael Breslin. This better happen, Mike. A Titan of ball looping. Being able to open a fucking I bottle of beer. I story, but if he can do this here. Board, just get this bottle out of the way. Okay. So what you do is, <laughs> is you fold it until you can't fold it no more. Ah, right, okay, well, yeah, okay. Okay. See, it's, it's, it's a lot less impressive what you yeah, see. No, 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 I, I, I thought you were like, I, 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 I thought you were opening it with literally yeah, a fucking sheet of paper. Like. I literally thought you were going to oh, well, be able to open it with a fucking A4 page. Like. That's, hey, give me an A4 page and I'll open it. And there well, you go. That's, that's... You can't do it now, it's going to be embarrassing. Oh, he's done it. Well. Michael, how's it feel? Very underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm underwhelmed. I have to say I'm underwhelmed now. Well, what did you expect? Like, I mean, I talk... I, expe- I expected you to get a fucking sheet of A4 paper. Get Sl- the top slide it under. <laughs> 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 I 
I asked me, not even a papa smooth. Just whap it off like a, a fucking wane of the corn's head. Do you know what I mean? Well done. Well, that's, that's not how life works. Yeah. Do you have any message for the yeah. Facebook fans, Michael? Um, drink more. Mm. No, actually, don't. <laughs> don't. It's horrible. Boom. <laughs> oh, shit. Have I only started recording now? No, I haven't, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it was one of these things, right? We're, 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 the reason I was asking is because... It was a thing I, you know, I've seen people do for years, like, like popping a, a ball cap off a later, mm. and I could never do it. Never fucking do it, right? I still can't. I've tried so many times. Apparently, it's all about the finger work, which it I've heard before. The finger work? It, no, it, it's actually... The knuckle, lot, sorry, the knuckle work? It, it's about getting it at the it's knuckle? Get, get, it's getting it on an angle, right? Because it, sh- it, it, it shouldn't feel sore. If it feels sore, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I was just and always more worried there. about <laughs> And yet You have dirty people I, <laughs> no, no, I, I was just always more worried About like the lighter cracking or something That's what that I was, know what you was mean I was cracking on the top worry. of my But it was just one of these things Where fucking Brogan Friend of ours He's never been on the podcast no, I, was actually not, get, I was actually trying to get one on tonight I've, I've asked he him He will come on next week I think Good Perhaps I'll forward to see but, um, he, was, he was great at it And then it was just And then Because we were living in Germany and it was one of these things where you were always getting a wee beer and a move mm-hmm. and it was never cracked so you're like, oh, a beer, beer you just, you just had to you had to learn how to do it you just it was a, it was a you know it was it was a thing of necessity well they normally so have bottle openers in shops you can I open up you know what you want to act a fucking bad now <laughs> 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 no, trying you, to impress them feelings <laughs> but you want to be oh no I'll take out there and I'll, I'll fucking crack on a feeling but uh <laughs> I'll crack as, on as, as soon as you leave the no, shop. I was like two seconds. I was actually about to say, and I wish you put in the hair and fucking gravestone. I have it hurt you're doing it wrong, but now I think it should be a crack. I'm gonna feel like it. <laughs> well, wait, wait, at the train stations, I the red bottle burnt. You would crack it, right? But say, say if you bought them out of like a, a bakery or something. So there was like a few of these, and it was like forty minutes to go to like another part of the town. You would you would probably crack one and then keep an hour. Yeah. So you wouldn't have it. So you would need to know how to crack it on the way. How good is it? How easily accessible beer is in Germany? That's I once bought a beer real. in the kids' area of the zoo. <laughs> it's great. It's unreal. But we were going to talk about it in a way. And it was one of these things where there was this guy, Hayden. Ah, uh, I his name. But, uh... <laughs> right, can we edit that a wee bit? Are you serious? Right, well, there was this guy who uh, became known as Rain Man. Because he was a wee bit slow. Hayden, wasn't he? And, uh... We used to just call him Rain Man. He was he's a wee bit slow. He was his heart was in the right place, not there and all. But it was one of these things where uh, we were on our way to a place one night, and uh, we were, we were standing outside a, a supermarket where we had just bought beer, and uh, we we're like in one in the back pocket, one one on the hand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, classic. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Not much. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and then it was just Hayden was just sort of going. He was just looking at it. And he was just sort of doing his thing or whatever, and uh, and then just every one of us had a, had one cracked and all, and uh, old Borg turned around and goes, "Is ah fuck, we're gonna be here all fucking night here." He just goes bang, smash, 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 and he just like smashed three our beers and one go. Ah oh, fuck! And then later on the night, like like uh, Rain Man was fucking uh, amazed at this because he hadn't seen somebody do it like that so quick. I'm gonna end this story very quickly, but uh. We were at a train station, and uh, Ray Man comes up to him, and he's all, uh, "So, so, just show me how, how, how to do that. You know, you're lighter and all that. Just show me how to do it, and all." Then Brogan's right. You put it on here, 
<laughs> the whole time Brogan was talking to him, he had constant eye contact with him. He's just like, you put it on here. You get the pivot right. And you snap it. I got there. And when Brogan did it, <laughs> when he snapped it, the fucking bottle cap, I am not even joking, it went about four meters. <laughs> <laughs> it went on that train track as well. Just like, you put it on there, you get the pivot right, snap it. Four, four meters, and then you just handed it to him and walked away. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, like, as well, the, this story has made Brogan seem like fucking Johnny Depp, the king of cool. <laughs> oh man, I, I think I was laughing for about five minutes, so I was just like, yeah, they went. <laughs> Who bought him? Who bought that boy? <laughs> okay, what did we watch this week, folks? I watched American Sniper. Oh. Propaganda. Bradley No, Coops. see, this is, this is always the thing that actually surrounds American Sniper. Um, I don't think it's propaganda. Really. I, I, uh, it's one of these things, right? Because... Clint Eastwood, right? Clint Eastwood makes good films, right? And is also a staunch Republican. He is a staunch Republican. I'm aware of this. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a problem with that, Chanko? I'm a fucking pile of cards. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I knew that. But what the films are Clint, to, like, for example, particularly, like, particularly something like Bronco Bully or, let's see, like, the ones he's particularly directed, like Bronco Bully or Unforgiven, um, I think he is a staunch Republican, but I think he does know how to critique See the, the thing that with, idea too. The thing with Clint Eastwood that Very I've always well. said, I think he's he's a pretty good director. I don't think he's a great director. He's done some pretty good films, but the only thing that I get with him is that he does films in broad strokes. I mean, there's no grey area in Clint Eastwood's films. It's you're our shine and white good yes. or you're very very bad and there's no sort of ambiguity in there and that's usually the way life is like you know um, what I mean well, well in ways I in ways no right one of my f- I actually would say I would say Bronco Billy is in my top 10 like hmm? I actually think that's I think it's Clint's Clint's best acting and directing like, film don't I, get me wrong I think um, it's his most controversial I think it's, it's his most it's the thing that says the most about the American dream I think it's a tremendous film I'm not necessarily saying that every film has to have some sort of moral ambiguity with there can't be someone really good and someone really bad but what I am saying is that for a lot of films that Clint Eastwood's done I think that it's needed that in the, in the settings and narratives mm-hmm. that he's had but he's kind of refused to engage in that way now like Bronco Billy or any like sort of western he directed I think westerns usually worked on the basis that there was you know bad and good and then obviously we sort of new westerns or kind of you know western revisionism they done films like Unforgiven they done films like uh, what do you call it The Man Who oh Jesus The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance where you added this ambiguity to the character all the searchers where you know John Wayne is the hero mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. uh, you know obviously a fucking rampage and racist yep. but I, th- I don't know I've always thought that Clint Eastwood's films just need a wee bit more of that I think are very simplistic narratively sometimes uh, yeah no I mean in, in ways you'd agree with but that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm, that's why I'm highlighting them. Them few films. Mm. Um, I I I can't for, for someone that made Bronco Billy right. Uh, I can't say that he he is so right wing, because Bronco Billy is such an interesting film. I'll talk about it a bit later. But Bronco Billy is such an interesting film. Uh, narratively for America for America's past culture of cowboys and what it has become that 
and he directed that as well. He directed it and acted in it. I, I cannot uh, believe that somebody that made a film like that uh, made a film like American Sniper for it to be perceived as fucking propaganda. I don't think it's... And I really... And that, that's what I read on The American Sniper is that he's not making a propaganda piece. He, everybody... This is a fucking... This is the worst thing that happens in fucking whatever. It's just like, oh, it's a fucking... It's always like fucking two camps. Whereas, I actually think Bradley Cooper, when they went for it, it was a propaganda piece. And fucking, you know, Clint, when it went for it, it was like pure propaganda. Clint makes good films. He, he attracts... He, he does make good scripts. You know, he, he's he's nearly nearly untouchable. He's made a, a fair share of shite in his life. I think he makes good films, but I don't think there's been ever. I don't think I've ever seen a great film from him. I don't know about that now. I would I would disagree. I really but, like I really like Million Dollar Baby. I really like Unforgiven. You mm. know, I I really. Like, I think that's his his great one. Unforgiven, mm. but uh, I think uh, Bronco Ball is better than Unforgiven. But anyway, um. The whole thing, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's a touchy fucking subject because um, Chris Kyle, do you know, do you know the story of this, Mickey? I know, I've seen the film. Aye, well, Chris Kyle, uh, I think during the Iraq, well, uh, are we allowed to call call it a war now after it's fucking over or what? It's not over. They allow those people. Like, yeah, so. well, it's not. But no, but no, but because war hasn't been declared in since 1940 so that's why they keep saying in the fucking media it's the conflict in Iraq or it's the conflict in Afghanistan it's a conflict yeah. Yeah. it was an unlawful war invasion like, let's, let's put the way in it's like, it was an unlawful war invasion war has not been declared it, uh, since since the fucking 40s like so it's like right well it's the conflict in Iraq whatever war were declared he was he was he was uh, not an assassin but he was a sharpshooter uh, American sniper rifleman sniper for the American, uh, just uh, he was what was he was he was he wasn't a soldier. He was a marine. A marine. No, no. I think he was a seal. He was a seal. Uh, well, that's just another echelon of the the marines. No, no, no. The seals are a bit different too. But uh, he was a seal, and um, so pretty much, I think he is he is the biggest amount of kills that any sniper has had in American history. Yeah. And he lived, and you know, he kept doing his thing and all. But um, I mean, they set up they set up a couple of situations which which suggest the ambiguity of uh, they have to make a choice this way, and they pretty much highlight what a sniper has to do, as in the choices that a sniper has to make, as in right, do I have to kill uh, a woman who looks like the mother of somebody, and her kids are all around if she looks like a threat, or do I have to kill a child? Or they have to just shoot this guy in the head, or they have to do this, that, and so on. And the whole thing was that he was that good at sussing out situations. Was that if he had fucking eight guys going on there, and if he could see it, he could suss it out, and he could take boys in before they even got there, and this kind of thing. And he was that good, he had that good an eye, and he had a long range. He was just, he was very good at what he did. Mm-hmm. Now the whole opinion of <coughs> of Chris Kyle and all that kind of thing is that I shot so many fucking people and he killed so many people and this kind of thing. I mean, and then the whole thing through the film is, is I'm just doing my fucking job. That's exactly what he was doing. And you know, it's not that I agree with what he was doing. You know, as a killing people, I don't know if that's the thing. But at the same time, I mean, it's a simple fact. He was just doing his fucking job. He was doing his job. I'm not saying that. said. I agree with fucking. Well, you, you immediately lose the argument, Jim. <laughs> well, well let, let me make my points after. 
<laughs> right, and I, I understand that, but I mean, it's 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 just war, and that's how war has been won for fucking hundreds of years, and now they just target this guy. And I'm, I'm not saying he was a fucking good or bad person, but it's just I've I've, I've met soldiers, I've met uh, American and British soldiers, and I met people who just and I asked them why did you want to get in the army, and I've interviewed them before, and and and, and they just said they said. I kind of had nothing else driving me. I had nothing else, and and this idea of like a formality and a band and, structure. and this kind of thing and a structure and exactly and and it was just like I had this whole team thing when I was at school and all at football and saying and I have nothing like that now. I'm out here working in the fucking wilderness and all and army and things gave that to them and I, you know it's just one of these things when you interview somebody you just, you understand it like and I think you know when I was watching that film I can understood that way with your man and. It's. I mean, people say he was a fucking dickhead for doing this stuff. It's not like he was going out, like you know, miscellaneous on the fucking roof of a fucking gaff and fucking Baghdad and fucking packing boys off. He was pack. He was shooting legitimate targets. Like he was shooting people that were threats to, whatever. But they shouldn't have been there. But anyway, I know they shouldn't have been there. I. I, I but if we're gonna get into that, that's whatever. But I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about that side of it, right? Yeah. I'm talking about. This is a guy who went and got told what to do and whatever. And in that sense, he wasn't doing anything wrong. And, and a Gregor, and a greater and a bigger sense about, you know, the fucking Iraq being the fucking Vietnam or whatever. They should not have fucking been there. So we could, we could go on for fucking hours of all that. But see, that's right. But, but, but the very fact was... that he was just doing a fucking job. And the, the problem, the best thing about the film, one of the strongest parts about his character is that he does not question what's going on. He says, I'm, I'm doing my work for the American government I'm doing this here and whatever and every time he just says I'm saving lives and, they, and he believes that and I think that's that's the I think it's the strongest part of Bradley Cooper's acting is that you get that across that he really believes what he's doing he really fucking does he really believes and I think that is that is the most skilled part of his acting and potentially Clint Eastwood's directing but probably more likely Bradley Cooper's direction is that he toes that nice line between going, I'm doing this whenever, and everybody thinks that it's right wing, but he toes that line of actually letting you know that, you know, this is wrong. You know, he's highlighting the fact that I, you know, this is not a good thing to be doing. Why not make it about a fictional character, not Chris Kelly, who was a notorious racist who bragged about killing Taliban people and people out there which is well documented why not make it a bit of a fictional character and why whitewash somebody who was inherently but it seems he had a bad person I think it's because it's interesting to go uh, uh, Clint Eastwood has an interesting way of directing in my opinion right I think this and uh, is the most interesting because a lot of people felt it was right wing but he actually does and see, see in the smaller moments it's always in the smaller moments in that film where you find out what the intent of the film was. You know, how violent this guy can be. How fucking, you know, ferocious he can be. And, like, there's a moment, right, where his second child's being born. Right? And he's sitting there and, they, and, and the child's crying and he knows it's his child. And he starts fucking slapping this, uh, this window that he can't get under. And it's just, it's this fucking untapped fucking ferocity of a man just tapping this here and just slamming this fucking window and all. I think that's where what Clint is trying to say comes out. 
or what Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper is trying to say comes out. I think I think it's a very what 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 we want that they say I think comes out in the smaller parts in that film. Yeah. I think it's a lot better than what people give it credit for. I think it's a lot. I I was surprised I, how I, much I, I liked it. I, I think it's a well made film and stuff like that. I think as far as war films go, in general, especially about the Iraq war, I don't think it investigates why they're there. I think that there is uh, in many ways a sort of responsibility for modern filmmakers now that it's kind of been accepted that they shouldn't have been in Iraq in general I don't think that's looked on the enough I think the Hurt Locker does a fucking exceptional job of kind of showing it's very like a Hurt Locker the duality but I, but I, I, I don't think it is in many ways because I think that the Hurt Locker shows the sort of duality of going there and doing a job like you're saying but then at the same time showing the flip side of how they're there and they shouldn't be you know, with the, the 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 kid lying, you know, dead and caught up with a bomb, you know, put inside him the her locker. Whereas I think that it's I, all, I, I think it's honestly, all one I, way. I, I, I think America Silver does that too. But again, it just what you're saying. I I do agree that it is a well made film, and it's you know kind of moderately entertaining as far as sort of war films go, and it, it kind of makes you think about the horror war, which all war films should do. But again, I just can't on a basic level get round the fact of why they couldn't do that about a fictional character and they have to like essentially glorify this American war hero and and Chris Kelly. I don't think they glorified him. Well, I know I don't I don't think I, you're watching that film thinking that this guy's a great guy, like I I see I, I, I don't think that when you actually watch it you don't think he's a great guy, but at the same time it doesn't go under the, the deeper f- darker elements of his honestly, character I, I that should have been put up I there. I completely disagree that he glorifies him. It does not glorify him. I don't I know. Glorify is probably a strong word, but I don't think I'd choose the very bad elements. I don't see why it couldn't have been a fictional character. For me personally. Because it's now been discovered that he wasn't a good person. A lot worse than what he's portrayed in that. You know what I mean? And it's almost like murdered him because of what actually happened to him then. Well, I mean, the, there are lessons of fucking racism and that kind of thing. You know, there, there are bits and balls where he comes out with stuff. And, you know... There are, there are lots of, of, of conversations where he comes out and says this is against America, this is whatever, so that's the bottom line. As opposed to like people around him going, that's a fucking mental philosophy to have. You're not thinking about it. And there's, no, there is bits of that in it. Like, there's serious bits that way. His wife and others, there's, there's, there's enough in that. I, th- I think it's because you're, you're trying to get a body of work on this guy and this guy, and it's just, you know... I don't think the film was about that necessarily, so I think it, it's not in there as much, but it's definitely there. It's 100% there. The way I think about this guy, right, when I watched it and the impression that I got from the film is, you know, it was a dude that sort of had a, you know, had an aggression to something. He had a precision of types, you know, of sorts, sorry, and uh, he didn't quite know what to do with it. And then he got fucked off by looking at the war and he wasn't really smart enough to figure out whether it was good or bad. He just thought, this is, I don't like that. I'm going to go. I'm going to sign up. And this is what happened. It just so happened that he was very good at uh, sharpshooting. I, I, I get that. And I do get that at Hansen. But like then we see his brother side. too. His brother who started, you know, it was, it was just a bit younger than him. And he meets his brother, and his brother's just fucking lost, man. No way. His brother's like fucking way out. And it's just, it shows that too. It shows that we're not the same person. And I, th- I think what it, what, it, what it especially shows is that, do you know what I think? Is the strength of ignorance. I really think that the film shows is the strength of ignorance of a character like Chris Kerr going, you know, because 
he, he's right wing. He's just going, no, we're doing the best for the world. We're, we're doing the whole thing. And he, the thing about it is, is that he really fucking believes that. Like, he really does. I, I 100% agree. But what I'm saying is, essentially, that yes, it doesn't show him as this fucking ridiculously good, morally fucking right person. And it does show wee tweaks of, like, you know, this repressed rage and the fact that he is right wing. But I don't think off Eastwood in this direction, and not even so much in the direction, but the actual narrative, I don't think it flips the mirror back at him enough. I don't think it shows him, or not even shows him, but shows the whole occupation as being wrong, which I do think is a moral and right sort of thing that directors should do if they're tackling that narrative. Because for me then, if you show that world, and I, fair enough, you might have a couple of twinges in there being all, oh, you know, that guy, you, you might have to, you know, children might get caught in a crossfire, we might get caught in a crossfire, or, you know, some kind of very patriotic people might join the army and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think it really... What's the word I'm for? I don't think it really kind of mix up for the fact that they shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? It's I think it's a bit ridiculous. Like. I th- I think that the film, right, especially him and and the people that surround him, I think the people that he agrees with, I think the film represents brute ignorance. I think that the film does. I think it does. Is because now we're doing us fuck him. We're doing us here, and every every decision is made of. Fuck him. I, I don't think it. I, I think it does show ignorance, but then at the end, I think no, it shows this but, literal but, American hero. Like he went out there and killed all these people, and then you know, not to spoil the film, but uh, you know, he, he was he was murdered in his own home, not in his own home, but his, his own country. You know, in a shooting range and shit like yeah. that. But so, but he, but like that's what happened. Like, no, I that is what happened. But what I'm saying is that don't glorify and say oh you know he's killed all these people and stuff like that but in the name of our good nation and not flip him over to the fact that like I said they shouldn't have been there in the first place and yes even if it was just following orders you still have to kind of look at that side of it I think personally for modern war films about Iraq or the Afghani fucking occupation I think if you compare that to Zero Dark Thirty or if you compare that to The Hurt Locker it's, it doesn't stand up at all like I think mm. it's, it's it's a character-driven film, and it doesn't actually look at the broader scope of what's happened in that country, which it should, really, no? But is but is it not more a film about that character, so it's it not really exploring? It's about that character, but then at the same time, is it right that you're showing this character who, yes, might have been a conflicted it, it, person? It, it, no, it doesn't matter, that's right. This is this is the thing, I think, is the best thing about Clint Eastwood's direction, right? Is that he will show a character that he knows isn't right, and he'll depict them kind of closely to what that character believes. I, I don't think he does and, enough and, and to he, show and no, 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 but that, that, that's, that's the point, though. You know, because but, if, but if, you, if, you, if you can no, make two, that two decision back, yourself, right? like, no, but two seconds, right? If, if, he, if he showed fuck hence why the controversy arose from no, the but this is fucking no, but nowhere. No, here, two seconds, just go and listen to me, two seconds, right? If you showed the two sides yet, then it's just this fucking, it's just this half boiled bullshit, right? The fact that I think that Clint is showing this guy who is fucking right wing the whole way through it and he's showing what he believes and whatever and you're seeing what he believes not what not what you should believe not what we believe not whatever the fact that he's showing what he believes the whole way through it Which I think actually gets you more into the mind of the guy and I think it actually make, paints a better picture of what he's like but also informs a lot of viewers who don't have their own opinion on this conflict 
No, but that, that's why I, I think no. obviously the, the reason no, that I'm going the reason so. that I'm going so I against this because I I have I have an opinion on I'm saying that people who went to see a film well, just as a general you, action sh- film like, honestly like it's one of but like if you know if heads are stupid enough they believe that like fucking that's I would I I I'm not saying those people are stupid I'm just saying that if they went that no, way, I think they are. no but no but I'm saying no but no but I'm saying if they went if they go on maybe say we know knowledge that Iraq war maybe they don't you know keep up on current events and stuff like that and they see that I well, guarantee fucking that nine, like it's not nine really, out of fucking really, ten of them will walk out Clint and say what oh, Chris Kale was you know he was a hero he was a pretty good person nah you know that's, what I mean? that's, that's their fault then and even that it's not like Chris Kale is a fucking household name like you know what I mean? no but like that's bullshit though like I mean that's that's their fault do you agree that's their fault I wouldn't put the blame on anybody. I fair enough. Like, I put me. the fucking blame on their fault because he's, he's trying to paint the picture of of a right wing character who fucking believes in the flag and shoots people the whole right wing character made by a right wing director doesn't flop them or up to the actual atrocities. What's no, but he actually does though. He does. Mm. It just it's in the nuance of it, and I just think that no, nah, no. Nah. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get anywhere with this argument. I think it just you used to think one thing and I think the other, but I I don't like it. You like, I think as a film, aesthetically, obviously well made. Yeah. Obviously, great performance by Bradley Cooper. I actually do, even though I was saying, I do like Clint Eastwood's direction. Not I, just I, that, I, but many I think you should look at it again, though. I'll give it another look. I all, think, Clint, all I, was g- saying, g- I think there's, there's a lot more good to be given to Clint Eastwood because he's. A, there's, there's so many films where pe- people seem. I, I know I know he's a right wing guy and he's, he's pro guns and this kind, of, all this kind of stuff, but. He still critiques the stuff that he has promoted for. He's, in his art, he always critiques the stuff, you know, what, what he campaigns for. Like Bronco Billy, I'm, I'm going to talk about it later, but Bronco Billy, he does. And then Dirty Harry, he does. I mean, Dirty Harry, everybody thinks that that's like a fucking pure right-wing film. But the fact, it actually critiques the whole fucking thing too, as you're at it. It's a fucking joke. And it's purposely a fucking joke. I do and agree that Unforgiven is another joke as well. It's not a joke, but it's one of these things that critiques like how fucking savage the fucking West was. Yeah. And it's one of these things that I really fucking when I was watching this here because I love like when see when Clint is doing it and when he's when he's directing, I think he's fucking he's he's really fucking good. He's very nuanced and it's very quiet and it's very good. He Mystic River. Mystic River is one of the best fucking, you know, send off the the American Empire ever. It's a fucking absolutely quiet and yet fucking massive piece of work. And for you to say that American Sniper is some right wing propaganda, I just think it, it cannot just writes off Clint as a director and I, I really think there's a I lot think more writes him off as a director, I think no, no, but I films. really think there's a lot more of that film which you're giving a credit for. I think personally, from my own opinion, from seeing it, I think it is a standard modern war film set in Iraq, you know, set out in the Middle East and stuff like that. I just have a problem. First of all, the fact that he, I've said this so many times, don't fucking point me saying it again, but he critiques but doesn't critique enough. He doesn't look at the bigger picture enough, and I just don't get why he had to choose that Because person. it's a character piece. It's a character piece. It's not a war piece, it's a character piece. But just make it fictional. Why focus on him? You know was, what I mean? But you can fictionalize it. You can fictionalize it, and that is a fucking pomp piece that glorifies but, but, him anyway. No, no, but, no but, but, but but for the very fact that your man 
got killed by the very fucking means of, of how he fucking done his work I think says a better I, thing I, I, no, and for the very fact it's fucking true surely that's a better I, I, thing no, there's, there's talking definitely about a fucking there's, guns there's, and crime there's, and there's all definitely there. a dramatic irony and stuff like that but I don't but think if you walk away from it these guns are bad these wars bad Jesus Christ you know uh, maybe we shouldn't have been there you know what but I mean Chan if, if that's a fictional character does that not just trivialise it more I don't think Even it's I, I, I don't know I'm not saying trivialise it more I'm saying I don't know why you use Chris Kell because Chris Kell in that film it's represent a completely different way what Chris Kell was, and that's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Did you meet him? No, that's what I'm saying. I've met him, <laughs> but still, it doesn't want him. <laughs> Can't meet him lately. Okay. Somebody, somebody fucking took him out in a range, like. <laughs> so what I watched this week was Zootropolis. It's good though. It's good though to get a bit of heat of the bit. We never usually have heat of the bit on here. I like that. I like that. And he's on one leg, so I got the up. I've got a fucking, series of glass balls in front of me. I have a couple of Pepsi Max balls, full weight. I'm going to slam a bottom on there, fucking knuckle. Got a big bag of fucking oranges. I've been sitting in the fridge for a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> I do some damage. That's how, that's how I killed Bill Lottie in a dream once. Hey. Hey. Fucking frozen oranges up, boys. Hey. 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 Don't call my brandy well for now. Like, you learn a couple of tricks. That's why I'd know about it. Like, I would know about it. Sutra size. Fuck off. You're dead, man. I saw I watched Zootropolis this week. Boom. You watch what? Zootropolis, aka Zootopia. It was called Zootopia in America. It's called oh, Zootropolis. Is it called Zootropolis here? I have no idea what I, that is. It's a Disney animated movie. Right. Which everybody, including myself, was fooled and they think it was the new Pixar. Because Disney animation has now got so advanced that it just near enough looks like Pixar. I thought that. Aye, well, John, John Lasseter runs everything. Aye. They do, aye, but I mean, but like, still, they've always game, been too... It's like, you have Marvel and Lucasfilm, but they're owned by Disney. Yeah. Like, they're still kind of... They're a separate ah, entity, but the, they're owned by Because this, <laughs> this used to confuse me too... That, it used to be a lot easier to be able to tell between them because Pixar Disney, used to have that. You rich cunt. <laughs> you rich bastards. Pixar used to have that, you know, you just knew Pixar by looking at it. But then Disney Animation, up until recently, were still doing sort of traditional animation mm. and not the sort of 3D. But now they're kind of doing that too. Ah, well, they've, they've been doing it a while now. I mean, like, yeah. they, they they had Tangled, which it's, it's actually a really good film, but it wasn't like a big success. But then they, they had like a string of stuff like Wreck It Ralph yeah. and Frozen. Obviously, Frozen, literally the biggest animated film of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, they've, I think it just stems from jo- John Lasseter, who started Pixar. Um, yeah, that's true. John Lasseter, who started Pixar, he became just head of animation at Disney. So he's kind of running Pixar and running just does the animation. No bad kinda, thing. I know. I think that's why they got good, basically. <laughs> Not ridiculous. obviously. Lassie himself, like, phenomenally talented. But yeah, uh, his whole team, like, but you know, just... Zootropolis or Zootopia, whatever you like. Um, it's set in this world where just uh, there's no humans. It's just all animals, but animals have evolved to kind of live in peace with each other, and they can talk and hang out and wear clothes. It's all it's all great. Aaron. <laughs> it's all gravy. It's all gravy. Sounds awesome. No, but the, the, this was the weird thing about the trailer. See Chris Kelly, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking Chris Kelly. Left. <laughs> no, but the weird thing is about there, the trailer is, is for Buffalo the... starts fucking pecking boys off. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, Mike, sorry, sorry. 
No, but the weird thing about the trailers of the first film is that they were really trying to stress the fact of, oh, we live we we live in Zootopia or Zootropolis. Like, it's a city where it's populated by animals. I was like, it's a fucking Disney film. I think we can get around fucking talking animals. See, <laughs> no, not, not even that. Do you know what I kind of found funny before I actually went to watch it myself is that I think they tried to stress the promotional material like oh all these animals are living in harmony every Disney film ever fucking made animals <laughs> are living in harmony and they all fucking are best muckers I know no it's it's like doesn't make sense why they were trying to well it it kind of makes sense once you see the film but I think though did you not get that for me anyway I mean like don't get me wrong I love Zootopia or Zootropolis whatever you want to call it but Maybe the reason Ooh. that Disney might have got stuck in the mud a bit and maybe we're trying to over-promote the fact that, you know, all these animals are living in harmony is because it's central the narrative then. I mean, like, I think it's about a hard shell narratively, you know what I mean? I know. Once you actually see the film, it kind of makes sense yeah. why they kind of over-explain it, but actually just seeing it before you see the film, it's just like, wow. It's about <laughs> me too. I was like, why the fuck are you even doing this? But yeah, uh, what do you call her? Jennifer Goodwin plays Judy Hopps, who's a bunny. She's a little bunny, mm, a little, little, little cute about. bunny, just hopping about, about. on the carrot mind, farm. Mind <laughs> but J- Judy Hopps has has gra- she, she, she has grand ideas. She has big she ideas. She's a bunny, so no, she she wants to, she wants to be the first bunny cop. Everybody tells her she can't be the first bunny cop because there's never been a bunny she cop. A gangster. So that's not talking about the drive bays. No, no. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just chatting shit. Sorry, wrong. But yeah, so she she becomes the the first bunny cop, and then she meets Jason Bateman's bunny character, cop. Nick Wilde, who is a oh, fox. Is he's he a, a foxy crazy fox. cat? Wilde as shit. No, he's a, well, he's a fox. But he's, he's a, a sly fox. <laughs> crazy cat, you know, as an character. You know, he, as I, in, uh, he's a he's a crazy the, cat. The character of the man. I would say more shrewd, cunning, like foxes are. Oh. Oh. <laughs> See what they've done there with that, like then. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Shanghai. Yeah, hey. Another level. Okay, another level. You know what I mean? That's four years. University, 27 grand on that rain. Fourth dimensional. Fourth dimensional. Just kicking the ass off the fifth. But uh, (laughs) fourth dimensional. All the same. The thing with with this film is that it's kind of like three films in one. Like the first act is Judy Hopps trying to become... Trying to become a cop, and she's told she can she can't be a cop and all because she, she's just a bunny and stuff like that. And there's there's the traditional montage of oh I'm not good at things. Oh wait, I'll try. Oh wait, I'm good at things and stuff like that. Oh, wait, I'm fucking and if if it feels pretty standard there, and then the the second act is like like, like fucking space bars. <laughs> it's exactly the same as space bars. The the anyway. the, se- the second act is. Uh, she she gets her first case and she has to team up with this outlaw Nick Wilde and they solve the case and all is here, and then by the end of the second act they solve the case. I'm completely going to spoil this film by the way, so if you haven't seen it, stop listening for like Spider-Man. five minutes. But because I, I really want to talk about what the film kind of gets to. But they 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 solve the case at the end of the second act, and I was like like. Fucking hell! There's still like another forty yeah. minutes to this film. Like, I what the fuck's going to happen? Like? Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that boy framed him. What are you going to do for the rest of the film? But the, <laughs> but but the but the case she was working on is that these these predators is it were a case within a case. No, <laughs> well, kind of labyrinthine and scale. Ooh. No, but these these Not these true. animals true. these animals were going missing. There's like nine animals missing or something oh. and they were all predators Predator. so they were all like yeah. tigers and squirrels or weasels or whatever <laughs> but then J- judy finds out that they've actually been locked up by the mayor mm. 
and they're being held because they've all went savage. They've all reverted back to their animal instincts. They're not civilized anymore. So this this, this is all sec this is second act stuff. And I was like, geez, is this not supposed to be like the big reveal? Like, oh, th- this is what actually happened. So this third act better be fucking lethal. And it is. Okay. Because it, it comes out that... Right, just don't tell us the third act. <laughs> no, th- no, I'm going to tell you. No. No. Heron, you, you're never going to watch this film. <laughs> you're never going to watch this film. No, just, just, just reveal, just give us a wee... Because you've already fucked up the second act. <laughs> so just give us a wee uh, a third act. Right, I'll give you a wee uh, Right, okay. So it, it comes out that it was it was all predators that were kidnapped, and the reason they were kidnapped is because... me a third act? No, this is the second act. <laughs> Are you actually ever going to watch this over here? No, not he's an, never going to fucking not, watch you're, this. You're not an animated man. <laughs> he's, well... <laughs> like, you, know you don't have to bite me, in, in, these, in every sense fucking of the lion bitch. See, I, probably, <laughs> I probably knew you better than you knew yourself, you fucking booze back. <laughs> well, goes away soon, <laughs> So it comes out that they were all predators, and the reason they were kidnapped is because all these predators, because all these predators went savage, right? And so, in 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 Zootropolis, become rapers, or is it still a PG? It's it's a PG. (laughs) So in in Zootropolis, aka Zootopia, ninety percent are prey and ten percent are predators. So the prey start getting scared of the predators because they're hearing predators starting going savage. And so predators are basically treated like second-class citizens. And and... Oh, fuck him! I'm fucking prey! <laughs> fuck him! No, but, like, like predators start get getting arrested and stuff for doing fuck all, and, like, people are scared of them. Like, there's a scene where, like, a, like a leopard gets on a train, and... They, genius, they, they move oh. like they move their kids away from them and stuff like this here. Ah, keep going. That sounds fucking classic. I know. This, this is what I was really impressed by, because, like... Way kids films and all they always tend to have like a moral or some kind of lesson nice. right. out of it. Like, that sounds fucking lethal. But this this whole like for the first two acts it's it's kinda more about like oh be be yourself and don't let people tell you what you are kind of thing. But then it turns to this thing about not prejudging people either and stuff. And it you know, it, it essentially becomes about like racism and stuff and it's just it's insane that they kinda how it turns into this thing and I was I was actually just blown away about how yeah. the film actually goes, and you're like, "Fucking hell, that's big day having a fucking kids film." I don't like. think it's any coincidence that it's got so many fucking plots since it was released. It was released in like February or March or something like that. It's got That's so many plots already. Not only because for it, me, it actually a couple of weeks ago j- just made a billion dollars. <laughs> but for me, it's not quietly. So I haven't heard a fucking thing. That's insane, but it's yeah, quietly been Gal- Gallerstein. It quietly Jesus. just made a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so quietly, loads of people when they see it. Right, quietly, I'm just, I'm just, just going to you know, stole the show. Just, just going to take yeah. this wee fiver here every week. What must be the first film this year? Did make a billion bar? Did... <laughs> Boy, back down. Has fucking, to be. Uh, you know. Well, what else has? I mean, there's been no hey. super blog. Was there like so? Well, Civil War. Civil War hasn't ah, made a that, billion yet. Though. Hasn't that no? I don't, I, I, I would assume it was, was, oh, I don't know. It well. probably did. Probably <laughs> more than that. Yeah. Batman yeah. v Supes didn't, and X Men didn't. Bad soup. I'm surprised the Batman v Superman, but I think that the negative yeah, sort of fucking ah uh, well wasn't that great. It made like eight hundred thousand. It's probably eight hundred thousand, eight hundred million. If it was 800,000 DC it'd be closed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, 800 million yeah. Did you hear about the fucking the, the article about fucking bad soup that it was just like it was uh, 
too big to fail. Yeah. Did we talk about this before? Well, I, I'm not I sure if we talked about it. I read this article. I was just like, fucking hell. I was just like, because it's Superman. Oh, we were like, well, you know what? Superman, Tarawak, I shave films. Didn't really matter if Superman's on. But the fact that fucking Batman was one of the biggest fucking franchises Batman. fucking ever. Both times it came out. It's it's true though. I, I mean, too I, big they fail. That's fuck. That was that was the actual title of the article. I think it's massive. I think it was Huff Post or something. It was fucking. I was serious. Because put it this way, they've been talking about a Batman vs Superman film for at least twenty five years, and I think me and Mickey actually said this to each other. See if it would have came down to it, and there was a Batman vs Superman film, and it was literally then two fucking puppets, Batman and Superman, whacking off each other. It wouldn't <laughs> have mattered because. It's Batman, Superman. Even the name alone, yeah, the man. franchise alone, name two in one film is enough to get people into a cinema. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if the end result. Not the worst film too I've ever seen, but it's a substandard film. Aye, like, uh, essentially what's widely regarded as a per film yeah. still made like $800 million. Yeah. And I mean, like, mm. if you didn't have... Jeez, ju- just imagine if they made a fucking great film. <laughs> this is what I've always thought about the Transformer films because the Transformer films keep making more and more money. Like the last one made over a billion as well, and it's just the, like the Im- imagine they more, made a fucking good one. Had the biggest weekend ever. Probably, yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. But imagine if they made a good one. Imagine they made a good one. The world would blow up. <laughs> do you know what? I'll put. Put the fuck off the Mars. Regardless of, we don't know. It, it's really dangerous. And we don't, the atmosphere, I don't know, we just thought, nah, we're heading to Mars, the world's fucked. Somebody made a really good Transformers film. And do you know what? <laughs> I'll stack an echo here too, right? Don't get me wrong, I fucking hate the Transformers franchise, even though I fucking love them as a way. Yes, film. that's exactly what I'm going to say. I really like the first one. Yeah. I mean, because Everybody does. it, it, it <laughs> drew up that fucking nostalgia of playing, you know, with Transformers as a way yeah. and watching a fucking TV show on Saturday morning. I think it was and it was Spielberg, just handled well. It was a, uh, it's that nostalgia, but at the same time, even no, thinking, but Spielberg's a producer, yeah. But even taking the He's nostalgia stuff around. away, I just thought as a standard action film, which is literally you're going in there knowing that it's big fucking robots battering each other in a Malaya city, you're not going to expect fucking Fellini. I think it worked, and it was pissed far better. Whereas they've just become more and more bloated, and they're just yeah. fucking. Do you know what though? See, see a third one. I, I really enjoyed the third. One. I the, the third one was better the third than one the second was one. I watched the second one and then stopped. <laughs> second so. one was not. I, I didn't even watch the second one, right? And then obviously and there was the, the casual I, racism I, in the second one too I, that I, I wasn't well, too fond of. Was there racism in the second one? It was the, the, two, the, the wee mini the, robots. The, the wee mini yeah. robots who. Hey man, what I, they, 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 they were talking and basically like sort of you, black exploitation voices. Sensitive about that sort of thing, eh? What? You sensitive about that sort of thing? Well, I think he, everybody he, should he, be sensitive about looking at me. He just doesn't like it, huh? <laughs> Shan, Shan, Shan was a teetotaler of racism. <laughs> Which we all should be. <laughs> Whereas we, I'm a casual racist. No, I'm not joking. I just hate you, Shan. <laughs> I just hates me, I... He just hates whatever whatever ethnicity you are. <laughs> just kill him for all the way, just. I've got a big, big fucking dirty ginger beard on me, too. <laughs> can't drive a car here's hoping I can shoot a rifle <laughs> 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 I so Shan you were going to say something about Sotropolis so, so what was your, what was the film you were talking about there Sotropolis no uh, the only thing I liked is uh, like you were saying the only thing <laughs> no no well actually there's a lot of side that's, that's probably the worst way to can introduce it but I liked a lot of stuff about it one of the things was what you were saying about how 
not even subtly, but I mean, I didn't really get that it was happening until later on with the whole Predators kind of uh, Predators thing that prey. it was <laughs> prey, prey. <laughs> Predators Predators. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, he can't just fucking make up a word. Like. <laughs> hey, it worked a little. <laughs> predator should be the new thing. I'm, I'm writing that down as an episode. Title. Predator, <laughs> predator <laughs> versus Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fucking <laughs> a sea urchin or something like that. But I, I like the fact that suddenly it was like it you know like pre- a rare muscle. <laughs> a rare, a, a, a rare a, muscle. A rare. A, a rare <laughs> A sea muscle. Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, hey, we got, we got a, like a predator in the net this <laughs> weekend. I thought, I thought... They're about nine pound a piece. <laughs> I thought you meant a rare body muscle, like playing uh, a five and say, Jesus Christ, I pulled me predator. Yeah, I pulled me predator. Hey, no, no, give us oranges here, my fuck. No, 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 no. Actually, no, it's apple, it's apple, it's apple, it's apple, no, 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 no. It's apple, it's apple, it's apple, it's apple. I don't see the predators here. Oh, Jesus Christ. Rub that there, rub that there, rub that there. My predator get a fucking wet sponge to lock like a dead all on that like. somebody fucking somebody somebody caught my priorities not that pay caught <laughs> <laughs> me a wild boot all the other <laughs> I thought it was a ball it was my fucking back <laughs> but anyway back on that Predator and Prey thing and stuff again I just like like you were saying that for me even though they proud on them broad strokes I had, because I was that invested in the film the animation's amazing and you know I really liked all the characters I don't really get until like way later on than what I should have that it was sort of like a message about like but not even so much racism but just not being prejudiced yeah you know what I mean and that was class and I mean it's a broad message but I think it's a message that every Wayne and just every person in general should be taught you know you mm. shouldn't be prejudiced you, you shouldn't kind of judge people on ethnicity or, or but know, it, it's it's a, re- a way I like it's a really me. great way to get it across the kids as yeah. well we having it being animals Brilliant. and stuff superb and it's like. Uh, mm. Because the, the, there's a whole thing is like you can't judge them just because of what animal they are. Yeah. Even though the fox is sly and the yeah. bunny is ridiculously cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I liked is uh, it kind of it, it flops it in the head. I like that in the film mm-hmm. you're assuming all the predators are going to be bad, and then it flops it in the head. What is it, the mayor's a lion? Uh, the mayor's and the whole lion. way through, and like they they kind of do it very strong arm that you know all the, this lion is, is bad and they, they always have this boom of music when he's there and it seems like he's doing all these sneaky political things and then it ends up you know not the spoiling but at the end he was actually just looking out for the city and trying to do best by it and they do it with Idris Elba's character the police chief uh, can't remember his name Bongo or something Bongo chief, Bongo chief. the chief chief, chief Bongo but I, but I think like, speaking about even Idris Elba it was you know Beast of Nation we talked about oh I was about right him. it's Chief Bongo <laughs> or Bogo but no, how would you pronounce the, it? Speaking of Beast in Nation a while ago, um, there's no way on there, Mikey, so it's not Bongo. <laughs> Bongo, cheap Bongo. It was that thing of, of just. Uh, I remember Gene Hackman saying on the set of Unforgiven. <laughs> He's trying to get off this because you haven't seen Zootopia. <laughs> Aye, but it was saying about uh, bad men and sort of evil sort of things. And actually, it was funny. He actually said that uh, Clint convinced him. They play the part in Unforgiven uh, by saying that he's oh no he's, he's not a bad man. He's just a racist. Uh, he just believes what he believes, and he's not bad for it. He believes in the Constitution. He, he he's trying to the, he's trying to draw up this fucking argument from earlier on. He believes in the values. He's, he's, he's trying to get the last thing on me. You have no idea what I'm trying to draw up. You literally have no concept of what I'm trying to draw up. <laughs> Is this fuff level shit? No, this is fuff level. We talked about this two weeks ago. But, uh, <laughs> 
and that's come what, at me with your arguments. That, 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 that's what Gene Hepburn got back in. I'm trying down. to agree with you about uh, fucking Zootopia, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was that the guy believed. You know what I mean? You know, he he believed what he believed because he believed in an idea, and so that and, and because uh, that's how Clint convinced him to do it because he says uh, he says. Uh, He's not a bad guy. He just believes, you know, he believes in it. He's all whatever and all. And then uh, there was an interview after where Clint was just all, yeah, I, uh, I just told him that. that I, I was a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see it though because it's like, it's, it's a, that, that, that be, that be town, that be city as America. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's one thing about Zootopia too. Can I bring it back on? It was just like a wee thing with uh, a dress. <laughs> Big, big dress. <laughs> and and you know what? He actually, he actually, uh, that was smooth. You know what I mean? It was, it was well played, sir. But what I will say <laughs> you know is the fact that I haven't even fucking seen nothing. Like? <laughs> the only other thing I'll say about Zootopia, and I don't know if you'll agree or not, but you were saying that like it's essentially three different films, and it is like obviously the, the first act of the film is that sort of standard Disney thing, or just standard combination. You know, be yourself and believe in yourself, and you can do whatever you want, etc., yeah. etc. Et what I really loved, and it's the first time I've seen them dip on it, especially when the fucking you know league characters or animals and shit like that, is the second, and even kind of bleeds on the third act is essentially like a fucking noir. You know what I mean? It, is, it like it turns on the PA investigation. Aye, it's like a and, body cop thing yeah, as well. I mean, like it should be wrote by Shane Black. It's it should be wrote by Shane Black. But like, no, I know it isn't. Fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, fucking land. Hey, he did. He did Iron Man three. He's under Disney's hood. Yeah, he, you know he's, he's under their banner now. <laughs> but uh, aye, it's it's body cop. Ghost but then it's, by Shane Black. It's it's yeah. nicely it's nicely mixed with that sort of noir thing. And there's a lot of times yeah. I think when they're going to break in that compound where they kind of play well in noir shots and stuff in the shadows. Yeah. It's fucking great. Like I really enjoy it. I really like the joke about the Highland Wolves as well. It's like, you're, you're going to start a howl. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the joke is wolves can't help Highland. So they start Highland. They get they distract all the wolves as they sneak into this compound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> you should watch it. I think you'd love it's it. It's actually a really funny film. Mm. I mean, like the, the DMVs all run by sloths. And it's I completely forgot about that. <laughs> that is amazing. That's probably the funniest thing in the film. It's but it's amazing the way they animated the sloths because it's it looks like they've an, they've animated them properly but then slowed it down like a hundred percent or something. Actually, it was me. Me and Leeds were fucking sitting watching it right because she wanted to watch it and we fucking went to cinema and stuff like that. And it's that part where it's the really elongated smell of the sloth that's probably the <laughs> hardest I've laughed at like any of this year's films because it's such an easy joke but how they've animated it and how they've kind of pissed it is fucking amazing is it is it when he tells the joke and uh, he's, he's I like sat there for about old. five seconds like it's just like slows his own you think that's going to be the end of the scene and then he's fucking he tries <laughs> to tell a joke that girl sitting beside the sloth <laughs> And that Elon gets it. Like, hey, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, actually also, fucking hilarious. Voice casting wise, uh, Jennifer Goodwin as uh, the rabbit. Can't is remember it Jennifer? Jennifer. I think uh, it's Jennifer It's Jennifer Goodwin and uh, Jason Bateman and even Idris Elba. Just really, I think that Disney now you have that in their back pocket. They're just exceptionally good at voice Speaking casting. Speaking of being under Disney's hood, oh. 
I wish I was. I've been big, big, big dress. Did a voice in Zootopia. Jungle Book. Did a voice in Jungle Book, and is doing a voice in Finding Dory as well. Yeah, see, he's got himself sorted. It's like he's, he, it's like he's, he's realised doing voice Wait, acting is fucking easy. Feet well on that rock. <laughs> well, not not that it's easy, but it's easy money. I think as well, though. I mean, in fairness, they trust. He's a great actor. He's probably one of the best looking and coolest fuckers I've ever seen in my life. And on top of that, he's just he got a great... Away, he dressed like Would I not? I'd drop a bag from him in fucking two seconds, would, but... Would, no harm to you, Shani, would fucking take you apart, like... I would, I'd rip me apart. But, uh, he's just... fucking hold being tethers. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just... He's just got a fucking really cool voice as well. Oh, hey, give me a Japanese flag, no bother, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just got I that. Any time I say <laughs> Japanese flag to people... They look at me and go, huh? And then they really... Uh, <laughs> how often are you, are you saying this, Joe? Quite often. The thing about Idris Elba, though, is, like, he's not actually that big of a star, if you know what I mean. Like, he's, he's, he's never really led a film. Like, he was in that film Bastille Day recently, but that, that wasn't a big film. See, this, me and a friend of mine, Jack, have had discussions about this many times. I mean, the, obviously, I think, like most people, the first time that I was... I ever seen Idris Elba and was the wire as Stringer Bell and stuff like that and as soon as Stringer we seen him because he has charm and a suaveness and just his acting ability we immediately said to each other this this guy has to be at the top of Hollywood soon enough and yes he's never reached reached that echelon of being at the top of Hollywood but I think he's carved out so much of a niche that it seems like he's been bitten about the sort of secondary supporting character slot for about maybe 8-9 years but it's sort of weird, and it just kind of goes to show the talent of an actor is that any support, or not any, but a lot of support roles I've seen him in, he stole the film. Now, maybe that's just because of my love for Idris Elba, and I just really like his work. But anything I've seen him in as a, as a lead actor, like Bastille Day, and like he was sort of like a, a sort of co lead in, what do you call it, one with Jeffrey D. Morgan, The Losers? The Losers, yeah. It, it just it doesn't shine as much. I don't know. Is, but that, then, is that any good? I started watching like the first ten minutes. I was like, fucking shite. Don't bother your whole Mickey. But then you look at him as a lead actor in a TV series. Lufa, Lufa. He's fucking Do you know what? I personally think that he definitely not only has the acting ability and just the, the sort of suaveness and, and and as well, in many ways, to the looks to be a lead man. I just don't think Hollywood wise he's got the right project yet because he's shown in Luther that he can do it. He's shown in countless supporting roles that he's ready for it. I think he's just maybe been a bit poor in his choices for me anyway, I don't know. I, I honestly think Marvel are a bit raging that they, they cast him in that first Thor film as whatever you call his character. Clandale or something like that or I, Hel- I don't know what the fuck it is, but I, I don't know the boy with the eye. <laughs> <laughs> But, be, no, but, but because just, that they can just fucking change him. No, no, because that's such a small character, and they bigged up his role way bigger in, in the, the second, second one. one, and they even had him in the second Avengers film and stuff. And it's just like they really want to use him. But Handel in the I Handel signed right there. Why do you just fucking change his part, like? Because you can't do that. There's a continuity. I angry with Chris Hemsworth dies. He'll become the new Thor. Why not? Fucking. And as well, there's still actually so big talk me, about him. Every, every crown looking at me. Well, there you go. I mean, throughout my head. I think. Every, every big fucking hammer. I'll fucking throughout my hand. Just speaking of Idris Elba, and I mean, obviously, talks are ongoing and stuff like that. And he's been kind of touted for years about kind of stepping on that role. I think at the minute, Tom Huddleston is the favourite, but apparently, right behind him for James Bond, Idris Elba maybe. It's going to be none of them. 
No, who do you think? It's not going to be. See, you're you're way more on the bond than me, and so are you. So who is the no, favorite now? Because no, no, I heard that Hiddleston was near like enough a shoe at this point. Not, Bollocks, no, Hiddleston's no, not going to be it. Hiddleston's not going to be it. It'll be your pole dark boy. Fastbender's not going to be it. Everybody, Fastbender be a great bond, but you know. So what, Hiddleston or Elba? It'll be your pole dark boy. It's going to be the last fucking person you expect. Like it really is. Like, Here, I'll I'll tell you right now. There's a there's a Dublin. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, It'll be Aiden Turner. Pull dark. Aiden Turner. That's who my mom would be on. And as well, I mean, I suppose that kind of goes with the usual... Aiden Turner, you fucking Google it. I didn't really see this. Remember that fucking ball bag was in the barbie house last week? He was just all, Google it, Google it, Google it. Fucking Aiden Turner. Sure, I had a fucking 15 15 (laughs) conference... 15 minute conversation with this boy because right. I was on the 15 toilet. 15 minutes speaking, uh, speaking <laughs> in directions with this boy in the toilet. Alright, because right, we, we were talking about who would be the next James Bond. I went to the toilet. I never talked to people in toilets, but I thought, ah, fuck it. It's only me and this boy in here. Yeah, I'll ask him who does he think will be the <laughs> next no, James what's Bond. Happening with I was that like, cock? Oh, who do you think will be the next James Bond? And he turns around and he's like, I know who the next James Bond is. He's like, the next James Bond's going to be a Doberman. <laughs> and it's like, so, so he is, he's, all, he's going to be a fucking Doberman. I have a he's bet a on dope. everything. He's a favourite in the bookies. He's going to be a fucking Doberman. And it's like, so what do you call him? He's like, I'm not telling you that, no. I'm not telling you that. Fuck, fucking <laughs> it's Google like, it. It's like a really stupid <laughs> <laughs> But the best thing is, I, I went I I went back and sat with her and all and then he came over about five minutes later he was like Aiden Turner <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you just tell me in the version yeah. but see do it's you know not what? even gonna be inter- honestly like it's it's honestly it's gonna be the last person it's gonna be Daniel Craig but see, do, you, do you know what and I mean well I actually... no to be honest I, sorry I interrupted you again yeah, but, I... sorry 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 but uh, Daniel Craig is actually contracted for five films I what's your three four four He's got for five. He is. Got, I think it'll just be Daniel Craig. Was well, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, uh, Skyfall, and what you call it? Inspector. I still haven't seen Inspector. If, 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 if they get the right director, if they if they get a really good director, they get a team together. It's going to be Daniel Craig. But Daniel have... Daniel Craig has actually kind of went. Do you know what? I was a bit harsh, blah blah blah, and he sort of simmered down about it, and all sort of blah blah, and he's staying out of the whole thing of the Bond thing. But obviously they My had... My money's... It's going to be Daniel Craig. They had a really good director in the last... Like, Sam Mendes, a fucking lethal yeah, director. Yeah, but was a piece of shit. Though. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I know that's that's what's so confusing about it. Anyway, also, just to go back on it, obviously, not a big Bond fan, but I think that you're probably right, because, like we all know about Bond, they great. usually want to pick an actor who's not a massive star, so it doesn't kind of... Basically, 
they do, they don't want to pick an actor that kind of. It's not like a star vehicle. Ah, it's not a star vehicle. They want they want somebody to be Bond, and usually <laughs> they kind of give it the actor. Like Pierce Brosnan, yeah. Pierce Brosnan was a well known actor Aye. from British TV when they give it exactly. to him. And Daniel Craig was near enough the same. Aye, only but person American films, they don't want it to kind of outshine the actual role. And that's why maybe Hamilton and Elba is that I think most actors, most actors have to realize that if I do Bond, I'm I'm probably not going to do anything else Mm. ever again. She, I mean, property. There, I mean, I, I, I can't go and do this film. I can't do this film. Oh, sure, he was James Bond. They actually can't, and that that, that's a decision they have to make. Uh, Unless I'm fucking awesome at Bond, yeah, which means I'll get all these fucking bit parts, and he's like. I don't really want to do it. Do I want to be a bit part actor? No, I don't want to be. Uh, or do I actually just try and transcend the Bond thing, yeah. which is probably one of the hardest things to fucking do ever. I'd I say Daniel Craig. You get away from it pretty quickly. Mm, I think the only, the only actor to the only that they transcended was Conrad. Conrad. I, but, and I think as well, I was I was about to say it, I think the only reason that Conrad done it is because when he done James Bond, there was no history, there was no sort of built up mm, thing yeah. about Bond. He was the very first and then he kind of left Bond and back then, I might have been really, really popular but I probably would have been like Matt Damon leaving Bourne now. You know, there was, you know, uh, people weren't as locked into the sort of myth and the and the lineage of Bond. You know what like, I mean? S- 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 I think s- that's s- the only reason why he got like, away with. It's one of these things where like, it, it, it must be really frustrating now. Like, I mean, I'm sure Craig probably didn't think about it at the time but, it's like, well, why would you? You're a, you're an actor no, in Malin Productions, no, and you're offered James Bond. Jump for on example, it. right? Say if say if Craig was like fucking offered, you know, where we've got we've got this really fucking badass espionage film, right? There's like kind of eight lead parts in it, right? It takes place all over the fucking world. One of the parts is like an English SAS guy, whatever. And we want you to play it, and be like, nah, people are just going to think I'm James Bond. Yeah. How the you know how how the fuck do you kind of do yeah. that? Well, you know, don't do spy films. <laughs> Stuff like the spy films are. See, the, the the worst thing about that there, right, is that see crime films and spy films, they say the most uh, critically, you know, like literary and uh, politically about the rest of the world ever. Well, the good ones do. The, the, the good ones actually say the most about the world. They do, uh, and and their time and whatever, crime like the Godfather, and then a uh, born, say the most about what's going on in the world at that time, ever. You know, they 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 they, they both they both do it, and for Daniel Craig, they go, I have to fucking turn around this fucking class role in this fucking amazing film. Well, not is really not, not forever. Just will, will, try and get away from it. Well, just look at me going, oh, that's fucking him. Do you know we bonding? You know, and he would turn it down probably for that reason. I mean, like, you know, like, a well. great actor. That's the worst thing about no, it. No, but like, look, look at Daniel Radcliffe after doing Harry Potter, and then he did like Harry the... Potter says nothing about anything. See, I agree with Heron. I agree with point, but it's... I have been, I have been very, very impressed with how Daniel Radcliffe has been able to kind of transition he, he, yeah, from he, Harry Potter. He, he, he must have known how he thinks you're yeah, right. all. Hey, he's kind of cool. Actually, I like how he's picking me mad. But I like the fact he's went super fucking and they were like, I mean, he's rich. He doesn't. I would say bar the woman in black. Which was supposed to be the, the sort of the, the second coming of Hammer and stuff like that, and it doesn't even have a massive budget. What is the last big budget film? Do you remember Daniel Radcliffe? He seems to be kind of. He's in No, you what? see me too. Yeah. Is he? I see. I didn't even say. It for, is that? Is that even released? No, it hasn't even released. Yet, is it's it? It's, but I mean, like, it was released in America. I don't know. What but bar of that, I mean, he's not done a. Blo- and I think he knows himself that he pros- possibly done eight of the biggest blockbusters of all time. 
So I like the fact that he's kind of took a step back and went on the Indies. And he I know, he's like done he... some fun stuff yeah. like What If and I, I even liked Horns. That thing that I'm really looking forward to, it hasn't been released here yet, but it's getting fucking massive plot. It's a Swiss uh, Army Man. Swiss Army Man. But it's him and as well. Another, <gasps> Army Man! Another, another Andy fucking darling, Paul Dano. Paul Dano. I fucking love Paul Dano. I fucking I absolutely love Affectionately known as the Farting Corpse movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dano's a fucking genius. There's like. ah, yes. a man that has not been fucking uh, you know dumbed by fucking you know nah. studios running this is like I'm gonna make that oh yeah my god fuck off I'm gonna make that oh wait my god fuck off oh my god yeah oh I'm making that then and then we make it there, and so and if you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. Ah, uh, that that's a man who's always just kind of stuck to his artistic guns and just he's he's always he went for fucking art- man. Oh, he's always for me anyway. He's always went for artistic credibility over sort of financial. You know that he gets paid pretty handsomely for those indie projects, but at the same time, he could not be making a lot as, more. Not, not as much as if he went for fucking big ones. Oh no, hundred percent. But I mean, you have to respect like. that definitely. I'd I'd say he does all right though. <laughs> I'd say he's not short of a Bob. Like he's not short of a Bob. You know, he, he wouldn't be fucking. He, he would be scraping the wall. For he can't. He can't afford all those designer haircuts. We had a better look. You know, I mean, Mickey. You know, I mean, between between uh, me and you, or you know, sometimes does it happen? You and me. Uh, I would say he. You know, he just rocks up and goes. Much, much, much I do, much I do. Well, well. Well, Paul, for you, Paul, for you, it's about a, uh, it's about seven fifty, eight fifty, depending on the uh, how it. That, that, do you want frosted tips? Do you want frosted tips? So is it only fifty cent for highlights? <laughs> no, I'm saying like, I'm or is it dollar? Is dollar bills? I'm a hundo dollar bill. <laughs> And so I was like, Frosty? Do you want to on that? And Dan was like, no, 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 I want Frosty, I want Frosty. <laughs> so, well, so, so between me and you, Paul, what kind of hair do you want? He's like, I could do like a whole, I could do like a whole, you know, get a nice and short on the back, or throw it over the front, you know, like like a whole German thing. Have you stopped recording? And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then Dano, no, I have Dan, Dano looking hip, but I know Dano, I'm, I'm trying to think because I'm a big fan of Dano, so I want Dano to look kind of weird because Dano gets job when he look weird. Dan, Dano makes bank when he looks weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you basically said never go full Dano or I, do you go full Dano? Only Dano can go full Dano. Dano, if you look too hot, you ain't going to go to work. I'm going to make you look weird. And you're gonna get work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ever see that Paul Dano film Gigantic? No. With Zooey Deschanel. Zooey Deschanel? Yeah. She owned a yeah. fucking zoo. <laughs> uh, Zooey she, Deschanel. She bought it off Scarlett Hansen. No European pronunciation, Michael. I must say. Zooey Deschanel. One thing I will say, though, is uh, just talking about Paul Dano, do you know that there's this group or this movement online? that love Paul Dano that much that any time an actor does something good in a the film they label it as vintage Dano work vintage Dano <laughs> that is vintage Dano it's probably true probably <laughs> he's, he's an exceptional actor like, he's amazing <laughs> he I mean probably like the biggest kind of well what would you what would you say is like the biggest budgeted thing he's ever done like kind of blockbustery thing I wouldn't say blockbuster, but it just shows how he usually kind of sticks to the indies. But I would think that still probably the biggest budget thing he would done probably would have been There Will Be Blood. I would say There Will Be Blood because it's still 
you would say technically an indie, but it, is it technically an indie uh, or just I, I art house? Or? I think no, I think it's art house. I think I it's it's probably not indie. It's it's art house. It's Mulder Road. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. I think he's one of those directors who, even though he makes sort of maybe not so much art house stuff, but he makes stuff that's off the sort of beaten track and that blockbuster narrative, and he kind of wants people to think about his films and and feel so off his films. Because of his back catalog, he can get higher funding than you know a lot of mm. our directors who were going for that sort of stuff. But I would still say I've never actually, even though it's one of my favorite films, I never actually looked at what the budget of the Wobbly Blob was. But I'd be very surprised if it was under forty million. Very surprised. Probably Looper would have been up there now, or is Looper. It? Yeah, I completely forgot he's on Looper to be honest, because it is a sort of small role. Because I'm thinking of that and Girl Next Door. <laughs> I've not seen Girl Next Door. Have you never seen Girl Next Door? I, I remember class. I used to see the DVD sitting in your bedroom and I used to actually think it was a porno. And then it I is a it porno. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so good about it. What do you call it? Remember she was supposed to be the next... Elisa it, Cuthbert or Elisa something? Elisa Cuthbert. But then everybody realised she's a shit actress. And oh no, she's terrible actually. <laughs> <laughs> she's just good looking. <laughs> no, but I, no, I just fell in love with her because she was on 24. She's Jack Barr's daughter. I never watched 24. But you must never touch. You must never touch. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, the... fucking kicking on your mother. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I fucking Jack kick, kicking down your door. Where's my daughter? <laughs> like block keeper just coming on your mother at five o'clock in the morning, I... tackling your Christmas tree. Tackling <laughs> <laughs> your Christmas. <laughs> Explain that to the viewer or sorry, the listeners, Michael. Just there's this clip online of just Kiefer Sutherland being the ultimate badass that he is. Someone calls him a pirate. And he says, you don't know a thing or something like air. And then he just immediately jumps into a Christmas tree that happens to be nearby. <laughs> he did not uh, reveal the most crucial detail that he has blocked. For he, is, he, is, this. he is very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems like they're in like a lobby of like a hotel or something. <laughs> it's definitely Kiefer. a lobby. Aye. Aye. Aye, Kiefer and I, he was fucking... Uh, <laughs> he, man- he managed this band. He managed this band. Aye, he has his own label, isn't he? Hey. And then he was managing them. It was like a fucking with the main bands and all. They're having a bit of crack. Shaved happened to be Christmas. And then uh, <laughs> Kiefer, you're and, a pirate, uh, man. He got asked about it after, and he turned around. And he says, "Well, you know what? I seen the Christmas tree, and I thought it didn't really need to be there." <laughs> <laughs> and what he also said is, uh, "I never drank beer, never drank wine." He says, "I've always been a Scotch man." <laughs> Cla- classic Kiefer. Kiefer. Also, just to, Kiefer. just to go off on another tangent, uh, breaking on the Kiefer Sullivan's uh, recently released single. What's it called again? It's Nana Whiskey in the World. Nine. Nana Whiskey. Fucking. Yeah. See, nah, two, no, see, can I, can I I'm just going to sing this no, in the no, background. No, no, but, <laughs> no, but see, I love Kiefer, no, but, no, but no. that's fucking banging. This is exactly what I'm going to say. You're a massive Kiefer fan. You're a massive Kiefer fan yes. because it's both these because of 24 and all that stuff. I like Kiefer, but I don't have that 24 love because I never watched it. But I was really surprised. I came around here one night for a drink and you were all, what do you fucking see what Kiefer's done? What do you say a ship is? Bang. And you whacked on this country and western song and you basically bolted up as being the worst song of all time. Now, don't get me wrong, it is not a good song, but it's just a sort of standard Muller Road country, country song, song. Like, I'm going to cut you off. You have no taste. <laughs> no, I'm no, saying I don't, <laughs> I don't like it, but I don't think it's as bad as what you, you say. No, but you know what it is, Heron? Because I, I kind of worked this out as Sham was talking because it wasn't I don't think, it, it never goes <laughs> up, though. It just stays at this. Uh, no, no. I know. Uh, no, no, no. There's no rice. Oh, no, no. He, he does it. He's like, 
Is one we know where goes. If he's uh, for the listener, if you haven't seen this, go on YouTube. If he's want, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, not enough whiskey, not enough whiskey. Yes, See, I love, I, I fucking love Kiefer. Like, he's a, he's a madman. But uh, love twenty four. I, I, I love his drunken exploits. I have to. Yeah, you I, 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 I do enjoy. I, I do enjoy that. Not but, enough uh, whiskey. Uh, stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Colm were talking about it the other day. Colm was on this podcast many months ago. But uh, we're big Kiefer fans. And just for the fact of like a high-profile actor, they go, uh, I fuck it. I'm going to form a band. I'm going to fuck off for a lot of years and do a fucking tour. Hey, it worked it's for Robert. It's just yeah. to do it. It's just all... I, I, respe- <laughs> I respect the kind of... The, 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 the badassity of it. Like, you know? It, the it, badassity. You know? it, it, it worked <laughs> but, for uh, Robert Downey Jr. The badassity. Jr. <laughs> Word of the week, the badassity. The badassity is pretty good. Because he's done it before. It was like when he was working on Young Guns. When he finished Young Guns, he's just all, I fuck it. I'm going to work on this ranch for a year. And he's learning how to wrangle horses. He's a fucking cowboy. He knows how to fucking wrangle horses. He learned how to be a ranch guy. Just going full day, Lewis. He just went, fuck it. You know, I'm going to do this here. I just that, that's one thing doesn't matter if I don't like the music the fact that he's doing it I was just like it's completely I, I, not I, I. because the phone isn't ringing that's not why he's doing it <laughs> <laughs> the phone is ringing the phone is ringing I know he's very popular but uh, <laughs> it just I just I fucking love the fact that he just went I fuck it man I know you have to, you have to admire that like I mean like I, I, I love Kiefer because he, he is a bit of crap like, I mean, like, if he I was wanted a, it he wouldn't have to work a day in his life for the rest of his life you know what I mean no that's the thing like yeah. he just likes doing things that he likes to do. I mean because even like I said before like he has his own record label and stuff it's just he's, he's a big music yeah. fan and he, he, see, he sees player, these bands and he just kind of wants to do something with them. Get the respect, though, like, I mean, class. basically, it's just renaissance, man, you know, I mean, he's got the money, he's done the acting, but he's obviously got our loves, you know, be it sort of, you know, uh, what do whiskey. you call it? Whiskey. <laughs> you know, whiskey or being out in the farm and, you know, being a cowboy Bye-bye. and stuff like that. You know, if, if he's got the funds and he's worked hard and, he's you know, he's got that money there, then fuck it, you know what I mean? So, Let him do what he wants. Come on, good chance. Surely you got some of your brother's good sense. <laughs> Suck. My fat on you cheap dime store hood. You're dead. What's that from? Stand by me. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have to say, I have to concede that I mixed the Kachan speech with the fucking uh, Corey Feldman bit. Because he goes, why don't you go fuck your mother some more? And he goes, you're dead. <laughs> I kind of threw it together. I was doing a wee mashup. We we we, we, uh, we Kiefer mashup. We Kiefer Ace mashup. Do you want me? His, his, want... his name is that by me is Ace. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Like Ace. Do you want? Yeah. Do you want to do it again? And I'll sing the Not Enough Whiskey song. In the background? <laughs> no, that's fine. Move on. Because you're deep love for Kiefer, would you start a theme park based on him just called Kiefer Shoverland? No? Just, just call it Sutherland and just make it. Just have two parks, Kiefer and Donald. They never meet. Did I ever tell you about me? Uh, did I ever tell you about me? Ultimate, ultimate Jack Nicholson story. Yeah. If I ever, if if I ever make it in Hollywood or, if, or any of any of us. Does Jack ever, Nicholson have a son? He does not. He, he doesn't. He, well, he probably does, but nobody knows. He's probably got about four of them, but he don't know about them. Like, <laughs> but we want to change, right? Wait, I've uh, met a goddamn one. <laughs> Seven. Too much like, uh, you know you've made it, right? When uh, 
you know you've made it in Hollywood, right? When you're hanging out with Kiefer, right? <laughs> Baiting us guy, Andy. Is this Jack Nicholson on. saying this? Aye, no, what he says here. Okay. Because he's worked with Jack. Aye. Well, Jack, Jack has the highest level she can go, you so know what I mean? Right? Jack is up there. But, uh, Not up there, he is there. <laughs> you're betting around me, Keith Frankie. Like, <laughs> betting a scotch on, knowing you're happy, knowing you're having a crack. Keeper's like one of your best muppers at this point. Like, you know, then you're all fucking having the happy days, Hollywood and all. Jack comes over and he's just all, uh, and he, bearing in mind, he's worked with fucking Kiefer, like, right? Yeah. So he taps you in the shoulder and he's just all, we're having a little gathering back at the old homestead. He points to Kiefer, he's all, bring your friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. That's how you know. You have fucking made it. Then, when, like. Jack is personally, <laughs> when Jack is personally asking you to erupt. Asking you to erupt. You're pointing to Kiefer and going, bring your friend. Hey, he's not personally you asking you. fucking made it, son. <laughs> <laughs> Passively asking you through Kiefer's other. Is Kiefer up for it? No, fuck you, Jack. <laughs> fuck you. I can have a Hollywood McGee after about two months. <laughs> <laughs> you got the fucking 24 cast right there for about two seconds. Uh, but imagine Kiefer doesn't want to go in there. Kiefer, please, I can't go with you. Hey, Kiefer, no, seriously. <laughs> His people won't pick up each would you be the coolest cunt in Hollywood or the most stuck up bastard in Hollywood if you refused and invite the Jack's gaff? But what what if Kiefer knows that it's only going to be Jack there and he's just going to be sat down coke in his underwear? Incredible, that'd be the best party you've ever had. No. See if you don't fucking come, Kiefer. See if you don't fucking come. Um, I'm not going to speak to you. <laughs> I'm not going to fucking speak to you. Can I put the huff on for a while? Like? I'm going to fucking slap a huff on. It's going to be huff and you know puff. You can fuck off back to your own gaff like you're meant to stay mines, but uh, no. No. <laughs> Fuck me and you agree we meet at fucking two o'clock. Me, me and strip. you, me and you were fucking. You dog me. <laughs> me and you were sweet for a wee while. And if see if you fucking dog me in this fucking Jack Nicholson party. Um, uh, do you know what? I don't even know what I'm gonna do <laughs> because literally you do not know what you're gonna do because you're like, am I fucking sagging off? Keep her shoulder on here, like what the fuck, like? I but I mean, would you rather sag off? Keep her shoulder or sag off Jack Nicholson? Kiefer any day of the week. A tough call. Is a tough call. definitely going to Jack's house. Jack's like. going to die soon, you see. So I know. Kiefer will keep you out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking way later. That's awful. Aye. Anyway. Keep it on the one. <laughs> I'm going to go and call whatever this is the topic. <laughs> Aye, why not? Okay, so after our impromptu topic there. Shank. What was the topic, Mick? I, I want to know. <sighs> I need to listen back and find out what we first started talking about. I think I think, I, I think it was a multitude of wee sort of money topics. I think it started off mm-hmm. with why isn't Giselle a bigger star? Is is the topic, <laughs> is the topic called from. glorified shit talking? <laughs> no, no, that's the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not that glorified. Uh, I, I, I love that. I love that. I'll, I'll sleep tight and coasty. Like, you always do, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shan, what did you watch this week? Watched uh, Blowout 1981, Brian De Palma. And just for our listeners and stuff like that, it's basically just a. Not even a standard remaking, but it's totally and utterly inspired by Antonioni's 66 film uh, called Blow Up. Now, essentially what the narrative is, 
is that John Travolta plays a sound recordist. He's basically a sound recordist on like really fucking cheap B movie slasher films, mm. like in the early eighties and stuff like that. And then one night when he's out recording, uh, basically just wild tricks for the films that he's working on, he accidentally records what he thinks to be a like a political assassination. And the whole thing is, is that the way we see it at the start, it is just a standard car crash where the car goes under water. He jumps under water, shaves a gear from the car. But the other person in the car is like a really highly respected politician who is apparently about to become president. But when he keeps listening back and listening back and listening back to these sound recordings, he convinces himself. You think at the start of the paranoia, but he does convince himself that he hears a gunshot before the car crashes. And he thinks that a gun has been shot from the trees, blew out the tires. And that's the reason that the car is fucking went straight under water. Hence why he's had to save the girl. And hence why this big politician who's going to be present has died now i really like the film i mean i watched it before years ago and i love blow up what it's based on the antinuni one i think blow up obviously is a far superior film the thing i don't like about blow out is that it starts off really good i mean it's got one of the for me the, the best openings of a film ever you know because if you don't know what the film's about it opens on this sort of pastiche basically of black christmas you know that fucking pretty much like the first slasher film ever made mm. where it's this big this big heavy breathing murder but you see it from his point of view and he's going about like this sort of uh, what would you call a sorority building and he's seeing all these naked gears and then he goes they stab one and then after this like two minute build up when he goes they stab the sorority gear in the shower it cuts the John Travolta laughing like a really really quick cut and he's all oh, that screams awful and it's just a great because you think that this is the film and then it cuts out and it's just him uh. actually watching the film that he's working on Oh. And saying that all oh, that the sound design there is horrendous. Film within a film. Yeah, it is a film <laughs> within a film. And I mean, one of the things that people say about Blowout is that, and like a lot of the Palma, the film, for a good part of it, is basically looking at the inner workings and the structure of film in general. You know, it, it's very intertextual in a way, you would say. And then it kind of plays out then to be a sort of standard cat and mouse thing, which I think is the, it's, its detriment in many ways. But. Um, it starts out as this sort of thing about, you know, how you film structured and it's got this mystery element to it and the fact, you know, you know, was it a political assassination or was it just, you know, a complete accident and is John Travolta being really paranoid? For me, uh, it's John Travolta's best performance. Out of all the films of Travolta that I've seen, I think it's his best performance. I don't think that you've got as raw or as real uh, a performance like that because a while a lot of people see Travolta as being quite cheesy and then obviously in recent years when his career's kind of fell away again like it did in the early 80s he's just on these really piece of pish fucking straight DVD action films where he looks ridiculous but Nancy Allen as well from Robocop she's very good she's the girl that he saves from the car but what has always bugged me about bugged me what has always kind of got, got me tuts about that blow it is that it starts so strongly and like I say about that opening and it's really intertextual it's smart and it shows the inner workings of film and then it moulds it really nicely with this mystery and you're really really pulled in and as well De Palma who's I think the ultimate director maybe besides Del Toro who's accused of doing you know style over substance it looks amazing there's so many really 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 nice shots and it pulls you in it pulls you in it pulls you in but then like I said before it then just kind of after the armour descends and the this sort of standard cat and mouse about this, you know, murder, and you actually find out, spoilers for Blowout, that, you know, there was a political conspiracy, and I think that the reason that Blow Up, which it's based on, is, is a lot stronger, is that 
the photographer that also what i will say about blow up is that the only reason that blow up's different it's a, it's a it's a very easy narrative fucking uh difference but in blow up it's a photographer who thinks he's photographed a crime and obviously in blow out it's yeah, it's sound recorders who thinks he's captured a crime on tip or yeah. whatever but i think that blow up is a lot stronger and a lot better at film because Antonioni in blow up always keeps it it's it's always a mystery you know what i mean the whole way through blow up it, it basically almost as like a character study of the photographer and like in a way at the center they sort of psychosis and paranoia and thinking that he's captured you know this killer in a bush in this fucking really quiet sleepy park in fucking london and it plays on that and it plays on that and it plays on that and then at the very end it's actually a very famous uh, shot on like beside a tennis court in a park you still don't know if there was a killer or if it was him just going fucking crazy whereas in blow out after about 50 minutes as soon as it's revealed that there is a conspiracy and as soon as it's revealed that there is a killer and there's a you know higher powers at work i think it loses a lot of its punch and then it like i said just does descend under your standard sort of thrower film uh, the, the whole mystery is gone so the yeah. whole the whole tenseness from the mystery just kind of goes yeah away and it's one of those ones too i mean you could argue that as soon as the thriller uh, aspect starts when it's revealed that there is a you know about conspiracy and stuff like that it is still well put together and it still looks great and you know you're thinking oh jesus is the killer going to get the travolta and nancy allen and you know how's this going to play out but it doesn't pack the same punch and it becomes just a wee bit formulaic you know a lot of that sort of tension goes from it and then i've always thought as well that the ending is it just it just plays very standardly and i think it's it's also a bit over the top i'll not spoil exactly what the ending is but there's a shot and it looks nice and there's a lot of fireworks and stuff like that but to the modern eye it it looks uh special effects wise a bit did it and it i don't know for me it doesn't work although in saying that the last shot of the film is devastating all we'll see is that it's a nice wee mirror to the start of the film the start of the film is travolta obviously in the studio watching this b movie with a director and saying all oh, that that screams awful you know we can't use that etc etc and then the very last shot mirrors that but they they i'll just say they, they found the scream but it's 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 devastating they watch and i, I don't want to give too much away uh really good film i think uh, looks great great performances but then it just kind of i would say peters out or becomes just a wee bit sort of box ticking in the last 40 minutes uh but it's still excellent you know what i mean but i would say the blow up is far superior and if you want maybe a sort of investigation on the paranoia and, a, and a, an even better character study then probably watch the antinuni but definitely you know don't don't give that up i'm one of my seller but, but you said you think it's you, it's Travolta's best performance yeah so so do you think like i think Karen brought this up before more as a theory that like De Palma shines when he has great actors in because the great actors can yep. do their thing and then De Palma's worried about the shots yeah. and all there. He's, yeah. he's a visual director, I think. Uh, Big time. I mean, like we were saying before, me and you have talked about it. Don't get me wrong, he's done fucking, you know, great films and stuff, but I think that he's the director that most people point to have been. Sometimes he lets the style overrule the substance, you know what I mean? It, it, so, it's, but it's, the, it's no accident. I personally think it's no accident. His films are better when there's a great cast. Yep. Yep. But so, so do you think the fact that it's one of Travolta's best performances that Travolta because he just had free reign over what he mm. was doing with but that character so it just kind of shows how great he can be when he gives a fuck or <laughs> possibly possibly I mean like I, I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to kind of second guess Travolta or, or whatever else but I think that it's definitely 
the one of the few roles that I've seen Travolta in, like you just said, where he was given free reign, and he's actually given a character we saw they just sank a thief on the. You know what I mean? You would mm. say in Pulp Fiction, Vansom Vega, he's playing like almost a pastiche of every gangster that you know it's ever loved. Uh, Grease and Saturday Night Fever, he's supposed to play a really debonair dancer and stuff like that. Mm. But in this, he's another like, he, film around that time was Urban Cowboy. Did you ever see it? No, Urban Cowboy is fucking tremendous, and he he, he plays he plays a real everyman. It's like he, he plays a guy who works in a construction construction site, and uh, one one of his main kind of things to go to is doing the like the rodeo thing at a local bar. Yeah. There's like a big rodeo thing where you, like, you, you get on the bull and you back up the bull and you hold on and all. Yeah. And uh and then there's an older guy, what do you call him? It's your man your man uh who Denzel fucking shoots in training day, what do you call him? The drug dealer? Ah, he's in fucking what do you call it too? Stacks of shit. He's in da- he's fucking Daredevil's teacher, I think. Can't even remember his fucking name. He's stuck. Oh, six. He's stuck. Oh, side, fuck! I, I know can't his remember his name now. But he 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 he's in it, and then because uh, he's a, he's in fucking the Hunt for Red October, and he's in uh, uh, he's Silence of Lambs as well. Stacks of things like yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's not Ted Levine. You think of Ted Levine? No, not Ted Levine. No, no, no. Uh, but uh, anyway, he's in it, and then uh, as it turns out, then Scott uh, Glenn. Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. That's, that's that exactly who it is. Uh, and then. Uh, uh, what do you call him uh, Travolta's girlfriend all ends up fucking being really good at doing it as well he wants to be the best his girlfriend ends up being a bit better but because of Scott Glenn he gets taught a bit and all and there's this whole sexual kind of uh, sort of uh, uh, you know tension aye between the three of them and this kind of thing a sexual trust a sexual trust but uh, that that's around that time I think you know there it's one of these things where, like, you cannot write off people like, like, and all, and like, a lot of people think, oh, Vincent Vega from then on, but like, they forget that the, the mm-hmm. man had a whole career. There's a whole body just of work out. that there and all, and 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 a blow it was one of them, and Urban Cowboys fucking amazing as well. And what's what's crazy as well, just talking about the uh, Travolta. A lot of people now see Saturday Night Fever, and it's definitely one of those films that people think, oh, that's that film about disco where John Travolta dances and. It's like almost pop cultural as osmosis is what they say. Is that Saturday Night Fever has melded on the people's minds as being that disco film, and they'll have that opinion. But nine times out of ten, nobody's seen Saturday Night Fever. But if you actually watch it, there's some really fucking realist. Sure. Even staying alive is a good fucking yeah, show. Like, even like hard, really? hard stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> even like even even it's a good show. There's stuff on Saturday Night Fever where you know he's not in the the sort of disco hall and he's dancing and stuff like that because I mean I it is in there but a lot of it is about him kind of living in this week kind of small claustrophobic apartment you know and, and his parents don't really respect what he's doing and it, it's quite hard hitting it you know there is you know, good elements of drama in there and that's I think Saturday Night Fever is 78 or 79 Blowout is only two years later and I don't know it, it just kind of shows that maybe around that time Travolta was on they saw him he was getting a, you know, a good run of roles and then it was unfortunate maybe he just didn't pick uh, well but in the 80s, he went through a very kind of notorious phase of just his career kind of dipping and nobody was really interested in him. And I think a lot of that is because he was kind of tagged as being the Grease Saturday Night Fever boy. You know, he was mm. that dancing fella because Blowout completely bombed when it was released. That fuck all. And then it's one of those films that, you know, through revision has been now kind of held up as being like a, a forgotten gem of the 80s, the early 80s, definitely. Because there's, hmm. you know, don't, don't get me wrong. 
I have said that the last 40 minutes becomes formulaic. I'm not quite saying that it's bad. You know, the last 40 minutes isn't bad. It's just stuff that you've seen so many times before. And it's just a wee level down from how it's built up in the first 50 minutes before the muster is revealed. Yeah. But still, it's hmm. definitely worth a watch. Spe- sorry, and just one thing I will say. I think that maybe, for me personally, when I was watching it, because I'd seen Blow Up before I seen Blow Out, yeah. that maybe informed my opinion as well. Because I, I don't think, I mean, fair enough, there might be a lot of people who say that Blow Out's better, but I think that Blow Up is definitely the first superior film. But anyway. No, I was just going to say, you ever see that Travolta film where like the races are changed like white people are treated like black people no no does this not sound familiar nope this is a dream was this a dream i'm pretty sure it's not a dream (laughs) vamp amongst yourselves when i look this shit up was it battlestar galactica no (laughs) or whatever the fuck you know battle what do we call it really fucking shape one that always gets thrown in trouble this face battleship he he directed it as well Um, did he battlefield earth fucking Travolta direct that too? I don't think he directed I think he just started it. No, no, I, I think he directed it. Because I don't think Travolta ever directed it. I could be wrong, but I think he directed it. Eh? Gee, if he directed it, that's even worse. Fucking hell. And Barry Pepper and all these I'm nearly sure he doesn't. I, I don't think Travolta's ever directed it. No, I, 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 th- I think he directed once and I think it was Battlefield Earth. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, the no, he definitely, he definitely didn't direct Ra- once. Didn't he? Ra- <laughs> Roger, Roger Christian, whoever. Roger, Roger he, Christian. He was, he was heavy-handed on it, though. I think he produced it or something. I'd say more like he did, I uh, and also based on the L. Ron Hubbard novel, which we all forgot. Ah, <laughs> did, did he produce it? But uh, no, white, white man's burden. White man's burden. That's burden. You never hear that one. Uh, the story takes place burden. in an alternative America did where he, the blacks are members of the social elite, and whites are inhabitants of the inner city ghettos. They are. I don't think it was well. It's any coincidence that obviously Travolta had a heavy hand in producing that film because it's based on the creator of Scientology's fucking spin. No, uh, no, I, I, suppose, I knew he had a heavy hand. I, I suppose he just acted. I knew he had a, a hand on it. He's, direct, he's but, uh, No, he did. He did. He did produce it. He did. No, he was. He had a heavy hand he producing. Producer, he was a producer, okay, and obviously, right. it's you know he's one of the top ranking Scientologists. But anyway, blow out. Good film. Just probably I can't hold up towards the end. Can't mm. hold it. I can't hold this water. Can't hold this water. Mm. Okay, we shall move on to recommendations. I thought that was his recommendations. No, that was his what is they watched. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's how much we spilled tonight. <laughs> Long ass podcast tonight, son. Okay. I'll go first. Uh, okay. I'm going to recommend... Uh, Bronco Billy. Bronco Billy. Bronco Billy. Did you ever see it? No, I did not. Of course you didn't. Sounds like a good flick, though. Uh, it's a good, it's a good old uh, moving picture. Uh, um, just when I was talking about earlier, I uh, just where Sham was was getting a bit, uh, bit antsy. But I right. Answer. He's not here. He's away for a post. That's why you're not hearing him. Hearing him, he left ear. Uh, when he comes back, I'm sure I'll get a bit. But uh, um, for the reasons of what I was saying about uh, American Sniper, is that Bronco Billy, to me, is I think perhaps one of the best, most uh, just just concise uh, depictions of old America and new America uh, dealt with. Uh, in, in, in a modern context because 
and that's the ways they do it and like for films like um once upon a time in america or sorry once upon a time in the west sorry um where you have old west which are these cowboys who sort of go over the plains and they sort of you know the villies sort of you know they, they, like they, you know they they're assassins or uh they plunder things from people and this kind of stuff and all and they kind of get their they make their way as, as solo sort of people and then at the very very end of that film uh when kind of what what do you consider the person that the last cowboy of the, of the old world dies as soon as he dies as soon as jason roberts dies in last once upon a time in the west he keels over and then you hear a horn from a train and it's uh the first train coming through that part of the west so it's yeah. it's like the old west is dead and the new west comes through and that's what that shot kind of symbolizes it's always you know, that's exactly what it symbolizes what i'm talking about bronco billy is that they don't really have this big grand canvas they talk about it in um clint eastwood plays a character who runs a rodeo in the 70s he runs around pretending to be a cowboy and uh he, he's a good shot and stuff and he uses real bullets and stuff and so when they do their radio show like a turn circus nearly they like next put the gear on the on the only <laughs> thing i think was they put the gear on the circle <laughs> <laughs> and they tie her up and then the circle spins and then uh, <laughs> whatever he he shoots like bullet holes not on like bullet butchery he, he shoots bullet he shoots you know like uh you know under her arm or beside just... her head or between her legs or all that kind of thing. He, sh- he shoots all these things and all there and all and that's like the cowboy thing and it's this whole thing of oh he's a cowboy with a great shot and stuff and all and it starts off like this, but uh, I think early on in the film, uh, he ends up shooting a gear in the leg. Uh, one of the gears that was the demonstration gear. And so automatically sets up this doubt of of the idea of the cowboy. You know, and uh, this this is the strand that which kind of ties the whole film together. Yeah. And it goes on and on. And it's... The, 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 just, just to give... Just to paint the picture of the film, there's a sequence where... Uh, they're a turn, they're they're a turn circus of cowboys and and things like this here and an old western sort of thing. There's a sequence where they try and uh, rob a train by driving alongside it, or I, th- I think they actually try and he tries to get alongside the train with horseback and the train just shoots off obviously because the train is going at eighty mile an hour. <laughs> no, and it's not played for laughs; it's played in a kind of a depressing way. Yeah. So it's almost like a realist last action. Ah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then uh, there's a last western hero. There's a part where a, a sheriff pulls him over and uh, and just takes him aside, and the sheriff offers her offers him a, a shoot off. You know, the sheriff has a gun out, mm. and uh, Clint Eastwood's about to go for it, and this kind of thing and all, and then he says, "Nah." And <laughs> I can't remember the exact line, but. Uh, uh, the sheriff goes now nah, I'll do a draw for you know because you're like the fastest girl in the west now obviously because mm-hmm. you know you're this guy I've heard about you from state to state now so you're this guy so, so well, we'll fucking draw guns and each other and see what happens it's building up like this old western myth exactly, sort of like the gunslinger because exactly. he's built his whole reputation on this yeah. 
and there's this draw off with like a modern day chef or a chef sheriff <laughs> <laughs> sheriff and, and, and the sheriff turns around and, and says whatever and then and uh, eventually Clint just goes nah he's always he's because you'll kill me <laughs> you know and so it's it just, just flops it then like, like. The, the broke up it's, it's, it's a really forgotten film by Clint Eastwood like mm. it's I think it's and it's it's no surprise that I was just like fuck why the fuck is this not it goes yeah, more appreciative you know, it's one of these films I watched when I was really young I watched this film when I was about 8 or 9 years old and it always it always stuck with me I was like there's there's something about this film that I really like mm. everything's really vivid and really you know it, it's whatever I didn't know what it was the same reason like it, it's around the same time I watched Batman Returns and that stuck with me and all too and the, these films have just stuck with me because the visuals are just great and they, they, they mean something and I watched it and I rewatched it and I, I, I bought this big clamp box set and I said, hold on, first one, I'm going on, it's fucking Bronco Billy. And watched it. I was like, this fucking stands up. It stands up even more than what I fucking thought when I was younger, like. Because it really, it really says something about, about America, like. Mm. And uh, and it was one of these things where I actually read an interview uh, with Clint Eastwood then and he said, uh, everything that I think about America in a film is in Bronco Billy. And there it's you just, you know, and it's for that reason we've probably gotten an argument there is because I, I, I really think there's a there's a smarter director and a smarter, there's a smarter mind at work on that film than what has maybe been given consideration in the media. For someone to make Bronco Billy, and I really think Bronco Billy is a really, really, really sophisticated film. Uh, to make American Sniper, people think it's a fucking just, just pan it off as a propaganda film. Would you say it's because a lot younger, less cynical man then? No, I think if anything, he, he's more sophisticated, so he's more nuanced. Very. Um, um, Bronco Billy is, and it's no mistake that uh, towards the very end of the film, they run in like completely out of money, and uh, they get funding from somebody, and the last tent that they get is pretty much a Stars and Stripes tent. Yeah, you know, towards the end of the film, you're like, right, okay, somebody gives you money, so we can just do this, and this is like the idea. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to destroy anything on Bronco Billy. I just think the whole message and the tone of Bronco Billy is, it is, it's one of the best films I've ever seen in my life. Good, it's, good. It's, it's in my top ten, hundred percent. Tight, 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 tight. Oh shit! My recommendation is get him to the creek. <laughs> get him to the Greek, not stuff. not the creek. I know it's like Criterion collection here. <laughs> I know it's like I'm not Dawson just. <laughs> no, because I I feel like like earlier Harry was talking about American Sniper and we had the big debate and all. Then I started talking about Zootopia. <laughs> yeah, and now no, no, he's <laughs> talking about let's just, let's just keep Bronco Billy and I'm I'm, com- I'm coming and we get him to the Greek. No, but I only actually watched it recently. That's a good show. I'd never seen. I never actually realized it's it's technically like a continuation from Forgetting Sarah Marshall because yeah. uh, Russell Brand's playing the yeah, same it's character. Kind of, it's, kind of like the, it's almost the like a it's like a, a sequel. It's like a spiritual sequel in a way. I mean, like not spiritual because it's got the same character. I know. Right? I, it's the same. It's the same character essentially. Just it's but, a sequel to that character. Right? Yeah. yeah. But John Hill plays it. Doesn't matter. Forget about it. Just, <laughs> just don't worry about it. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, no, it actually just highlighted for me how much I like Nicholas Stoller because I never actually really. I, I I never really knew his name. I never really thought about him as a director. Totally but good, like, I, I, I told Bad Neighbors too. I well, pretty much because I 
I, I really enjoyed forgetting Sarah Marshall. I'd never seen Get Into the Greg until recently. I, I really enjoyed Bad Neighbors and Bad Neighbors mm-hmm. 2. I'm a very same as you. I pretty much liked everything you've done until Bad Neighbors 2. I don't think oh, Bad I'll, Neighbors 2 is the worst I like, thing I've ever seen. Emily's ever seen Five Year Engagement? Yeah. I know. I, I enjoyed I that as well. I think film. it's really good. It's I actually one. think that's his masterpiece, to be honest. Yeah, it's a crack. Out of all the stuff he's done, I think that's, that's his... Like uh, uh, he, he really gets everything out in that film. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. He, and just very, very quickly, he's one of those directors who knows his forty, knows the sort of film he wants to make, and just fair enough. You mightn't say, "Oh, that's a fucking Criterion collection. That's a classic." But he just makes very good films in the sort of rom com or sort of young comedy genre. You know what I mean? Have you seen the thing? Like, obviously, he's he's making comedy films, and like all comedy films have to do is just make you laugh to be a decent comedy mm-hmm. film but he, he's he's injecting a bit of heart in there and a bit of relationships in there and it uh but it's never as forced or as twee as apato i don't think i think it is a lot subtler to be honest with you i know like apato like as we said before like i he, he can get very sentimental at times but uh, i think uh stoller's a lot more subtler but uh like in get him to the greek there's there's the relationship between Russell Brand and uh, what do call him? Jonah Hill's character. Jo- Jonah Hill's character. <laughs> but then they, they have their relationships off that. Like, Russell Brand is pining after Rose Byrne. And, and, Who wouldn't? And, and jo- she is my very favourite. And Jonah Hill has his, like, are they engaged or to be married or married yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your buddy called from Mabim. Oh, it's Alison Brie. Awesome no, it's not Alison awesome No, not fuck. She's in five-year engagement. Uh, five-year engagement. <laughs> it's uh, uh, what do you call her? She's, uh, it doesn't matter. You uh, can, can think about that. We can't try Ginger anymore. Oh, it's Christina Hendricks? No. <laughs> no. No, she's like the nurse and all his girlfriends, the nurse and stuff. It really, yeah, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. No, because no, 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 no. no, like you're introduced to her er, early on that like Jonah Hill has, has this partner and yeah, she's a nurse and she's working late nights and and so they never really see each other that much. Like, the first time you see her, she literally comes in and lies in the bed, and Jonah Hill, like, makes a joke, and she's like, oh, that's so funny, night-night, honey. And it's like, you, you can tell she doesn't give a fuck, but there's actually love there as well, yeah. which I think is, it's a really hard interaction to be, because he, he, tell, eh? he's, easily she could just come off as a cunt, yeah. but there's there you can tell there's an intimacy there. And I just think that's what he excels at, is getting these kind of, what are you laughing at? <laughs> no, I just basically said cunt. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's how you say it. It's how you tell him. It's how you say cunt. It's how I tell him. Uh, just fucking th- pull a 38 and fucking put it in your head. Cunt. Nicholas Baller. Oh, by the way, it's Elizabeth Moss. You were right. It was Mad Men. I completely forgot it, sir. She's an exceptional actress. Watch the BBC uh, short TV series, Top of the Lake and Mad Men. But anyway. Oh, anyway. But yeah, I think that's what Nicholas Stoller kind of excels at is getting these... Even complex like interactions, they they work and there's subtlety in there, but they're still really funny. Yeah, and it's just presenting these relationships that make you feel something, but then it's also really funny. And I think, yeah. I think that's where a lot of comedy films fall down. They they can just be funny or just going after jokes when when there's a bit of heart in there, so when you connect with it, yeah, just. Yeah. It fucking works yeah. so much better, mm-hmm. and I'm recommending to get him to the Greek, but I'm kind of just recommending Nicholas Stoller because 100%. he's he's an amazing director, um, and I think he, he is. But I I definitely think that uh, Five Year Engagement is a better film 
I see because I I have seen Five Year Engagement, but I can't really remember it that w- yeah. that well because it was like four years ago when I seen like, it. If Five Year Engagement gets dark, right, and I get, it gets dark, but it, it sort of you know, I think it was partially written by Jason uh, Siegel as well and stuff, and it just it, it sort of it 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 kind of breathes in the, in the darkness a wee bit too. Whereas in, in Get Into the Greek, there's a moment. Uh, where Russell Brand pretty much comes and wants to fuck Catherine Moss and uh, Jonah Hill, and it just it gets a wee bit too dark. It it in the space yeah. of five minutes, it's a wee bit too harsh for me. I just thought, you know, uh, uh, like unless that was sort of carved out a wee bit earlier, you know, it's carved out, but no, it's all played for jokes like earlier. Say, it's, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's I, I just uh, threw in your face. It's kind of turned up to eleven in, in, in about two minutes. No, I'm but always... I, I, I think that actually works because, g- given the relationship between Jonah Hill and what Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss, I, Moss yeah. I think because their relationship and the where they're at in their relationship, where they're not actually sure look, if they're still look, together anymore, uh, and then you have this injection of this mad idea, and then they're 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 afraid to kind of say no to each other is like well do you want to do this well do you want to do this and then they it just kind of escalates into that i do think though that it, it's, it's, it's uh, always based it's always based on how strong your narrative is and as well it's always based maybe not so much in the believability but how it's actually handled through the direction i mean it, it, the great the great term it's always used is mood whiplash see if mood whiplash is done really well as if it goes from comedy to drama and maybe not so much drama to comedy it can be rid- ridiculously ridiculously affecting but then other times like you know you're arguing about this now if it if it comes too sudden or it hasn't been built up enough or it really comes like a shot in the dark then it can actually throw you off the whole narrative altogether it reminded me of the moment uh, it reminded me of the moment in fucking chasing Amy when uh, Ben Affleck says how about if all three of us fucking write each other Mm. you know it was like him and uh, Joey Lauren Adams and Jason Lee Jason Lee and it's all I think about if I suck his cock and then you fucking I don't know raid me and I was just all I did not see Uh, the same comment and I was just like I know what you're sort of getting at but up until then for Kevin scene. Smith especially it's a very mature look at pretty much like modern relationships that just seemed like a really it was like a really lazy concept yeah. of an idea no, but the, just about, the, the, the difference not, with that, that though that, 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 I, I personally think that was really bad but I think this here it, see, it's not as it's not as bad because Russell Brand is that kind of character that he would suggest. I know, I know, I know. He's a, he's a perfect agent. They they bring it into yeah. that. You know what I mean? I just, I just you know it just I thought you know it doesn't even matter about that scene, but that whole ten minutes of the film, I thought got a wee bit too dark on it. Do you know what I mean? I thought it got a wee bit. I thought it could have been either signposted a wee bit better, and they could have brought it up a bit. And, but at the end of the day, actually, actually, lo- actually, really do enjoy the film. Yeah, it's a great film. I just thought it was a wee bit too real at points. You were just like, "Fuck me, that's well real," like you know. And but that's 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 the burden. I know of it. that's the burden of it too. Like, maybe you know, maybe it's too close to the bone for yourself, Heron. Aye, it just he, reminds you of the last three. Cliff Richards the, uh, fucking <laughs> walked into me and my brother's house one night and was just all, "What about it?" And I was just all, "Cliff." You need fucking slang one there. Like, <laughs> yourself, Heron has been involved in a multitude of sexual trusts. Aye. Even it's Dave, always the devil's threesome though. I walked in and I thought, Dave, you have a fucking wife, man. I said, what is it about my brother? Like? I said, what, what, 
was that about? Hey, just tell me. Because if, if I knew, if I knew this wouldn't happen, this this wouldn't happen so regularly. And then Dave was just like, She oh, has a know, song man. in her heart. And he had a wee whisper. <laughs> he, he had a wee whisper in my ear and then he fucked off because he's a good man. And then fucking... Is he? Was at the end. <laughs> even, even... Oh, Elton popped in. Elton popped in. Oh, he's a homosexual. And I... He, he was just looking for you, like. He was just... Aye, he, ah, well, <laughs> he, had, he had only eyes no, for you. That bra was that fucking, you know... That uh, starstruck? She's that, no, <laughs> she, she jumped on. She, she, she's that... She, I was going to say she's stinking. She's that on it. <laughs> she, she's that good, like. You know what I mean? She's just got a thing. I don't know, she just fucking camera goes... Apparently, El- apparently Elton's got a fucking Pringles can on him, so you could say she was bar struck. Like, no, you know but whatever. <laughs> I was all the Elton. I was all, hey, Elton. <laughs> me, I tell you, Elton. I was all, what is it about the broad? Hey, what's the broad hanging me here? That's for an hour day, but you know, I, I, you know, as you say, Mike, I, I do get what you're talking about. Like, yeah, we always <laughs> like a candle in your hole. Sorry. <laughs> Step into my hole. This you is my hole. Like a candle in the air. Anyway, never wait until the better to be. No one ever right. knew. Hey. <laughs> She was like a candle in the wind. <laughs> she was like a candle in the ass. Oh, she was like a candle in the wind. Unreliable. All right, candle in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> candle in the Unreliable. I don't know what that joke is from, but it's definitely from something, and it's one of my favorite jokes ever. I actually, you, you could have mocked it up and let on that you came up with it, because I, I thought that was too good for Mikey. I, I know. Like, <laughs> you always get that when somebody makes sure too good of a joke. You're I'm like, sure you I'm definitely got that. I'm sure that's part of Possibly. Anyway. Continue, Michael. Oh no, I'm I'm done. Get into the Greek. It's a great it's a it's a great show, but I just just it. check out all Nicholas Stoller stuff. I think romp. I think he's a hell of a good comedy director because he doesn't just make comedy films. Ooh, and I think that's okay, that's the true that. beauty of a brilliant comedy film. When it's not about the comedy. You say what I'm saying, do you say what I'm saying? It's not about the comedy. it's a fucking film, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a fucking Greek. Uh Jean Uh my recommendation, the uh topple all this who harry if that's even a word is uh justice <laughs> prisoners uh 2013 dennis villeneuve craig and chew uh the reason that i enjoy it is uh because like all the best thrillers you should have like an uneasy feeling and i think not only an uneasy feeling but what runs through prisoners is a, there's a sort of seedy unsettling feeling doubt well. yeah doubt as well but you never quite know why there is a seedy and unsettling feeling but i think it's not only because of the direction, but because he reveals fuck oldie. I mean, like, Prisoners is one of the few thrillers I've watched in the past nah. few years. Nah. But I think Prisoners is one of the few films in the last couple of years where, because he's not big with exposition, and because you don't really know what has happened, and why this person has went missing, and who done it, you're constantly second-guessing yourself, and you really don't know where the film's going to go. And because of that atmosphere, which is handled perfectly by Villeneuve, it's just really really fucking intense not only that but Gyllenhaal gives off a fucking phenomenal performance and him and Hugh Jackman's chemistry is so good but it's like this bottled up anger between the two of them Gyllenhaal seems like this really angry fucking cop who never done what he wanted to do but he just kind of became a police officer and a very kind of heavy handed brutal police officer and then Hugh Jackman's character is obviously ridiculously fucking pent up and frustrated because his child has went fucking missing. Uh, so, yeah. Incredible. And there's just th- th- this great sort of, not only energy tension weeds, but 
it's coupled with this sort of seedy atmosphere and basically just kind of seedy environment mm. that they're living in but you don't really ever um, know why I, I think it's no mistake that the thing was called prisoners like plural yeah you know what I mean yeah it's it, like, even well, 100%. I, I, I love that film yeah. and uh, it's like fucking even Gyllenhaal he just noticed that there's like a there's a well stuffedness in it even the way his hair is cut you know it's, it's like the director is just fucking He's like, right, no, this, 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 this here. There's like certain physicalities that he's just the words out my mouth. I think, he's, first he's of all, tight dude, like, like he's he said, the there's, he's got like, like they call it, they call it, they call it, they call it, they call it the Hitler Youth Cup, so he's got the undershave and then he's got the hair gel back, but even that, and I don't know what it is, but for me personally, when you see that haircut, I don't know, it kind of just, I wouldn't say he speaks aggression, but it speaks like somebody who's kind of on edge. It just adds mm. a wee certain layer to the character. But, that tattoos, but the funniest thing too is like when he's chatting to Hugh Jackman as well, when he's telling him stuff, he doesn't get angry or emotional, but he just goes, okay. Yeah. It's just like, you're watching this boy going, in your head you're going, this boy is fucking ferocious, yeah. but you're kind of going, there's something which is keeping him there. And that's, that's the you know, that's the prisoner thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? This guy might, this might be, this guy might be fucking mental. This boy might be a fucking gorilla. But it's the thing, the thing is keeping him in in the wee cage is yeah. being a cop, and it's it's it's, it's such a fucking it's I a think serious it's, fucking show. It's really a really interesting film. It's a really really good. I mean, never mind the fact that's a really good film, but it's a really good title alone. Like you're kind of alluding to because mm. you have the whole thing about the actual narrative is about a prisoner, and you don't know where this person is. You know he's been kidnapped or what has even happened yeah. to him. But then I like the fact too that. Hugh Jackman becomes a prisoner because he's trapped in his life for the fact that he doesn't know where his fucking yeah. you know his child is and then what I really like is that Jake Gyllenhaal seems like a prisoner in his own right and the fact that he never achieved what he wanted to achieve and he's kind of mm. imprisoned in his own hometown in his own vocation and stuff like that it's funny there's it a tagline to Zodiac right but that's it, a cracking show I think I, I recommended that's, that's that before a show. Don't. it was a tagline to Zodiac but just it, it always reminds me of Prisoners and uh, I think a tagline the poster has was, a very uh, not not just because of Gyllenhaal but has a very aesthetically similar feel and atmosphere. It does also through the color palette, them dark blues. And I sort know of it's rich blues. No, it's uh, exactly. Mm. Uh, uh, no, no, exactly. It's just like it's really clean and like uh, just like rain. It's just like you, you could see rain on the ground. You know what I mean? It's like dead. you can just it's, see it's, rain in the. It sounds ridiculous, but you can see rain in the frame because of the color palette and because it's, of what they choose. Uh, it just, just looks like it's about to push down all the time. Fucking, you know I, mean? I know, I know what you mean. But do you, do you not think? I think it's shot a wee bit faster too. I would say it's not shot twenty four. I'd say it's shot at twenty five or thirty. It's mm. just shot really clean and fast. But do you not even think the way they kind of present the world as well? It doesn't really seem time specific. Like it, it sometimes mm-hmm. it, it yep. could be set yeah, in the eighties yeah. and something. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, personally, when I first watched it, I w- I, I thought it was set in the late eighties, early nineties. And I like that. I think that because it what is. Would you kind of, what would you call it? Time agnostic. <laughs> time, no, but not, not even yeah. that. I, I, well, time, timeless is the wrong word, but I like the fact that it seems like it's out of time because, like it's, I was saying it's there, it's a camper van shot too. Yeah. Do, do, yeah. You know, that, do, do you know what? Because there's a while that attention brought in that camper van yeah. at the start, and it makes you think that's straight away. It makes you go. E.T. Eighties Stand by Me or something. Yeah. It's sort of I don't know what it is. It's just it's just that van. It's just on such character date. You go E.T. Eighties. It's just you know it's but just in your I don't own know, in, your, in your own mind thinking about like you know E.T. Say the Goonies. You know these nostalgic uh, films about these wee uh, suburban neighbors. Do you not think then that it, in a, in your own personal fucking sort of thing, it, it's a good thing because it completely fucks out in its head. Oh, you know oh, what I mean. Oh, but also what I was going to say, you're, you're exactly right. 
this whole sort of thing about it seeming like it's out of time or it's sort of uh, anachronistic, you know, time wise. I think when you were in a toilet there, sorry, fucking the uh, sinky, but when you were in a toilet, me and <laughs> me and Herm were chatting each other about. I think the biggest or one of the biggest strengths about prisoners is the fact that there's this really oppressive, uneasy, unsettling atmosphere even before the narrative kicks off. There's just mm. song about how it's shot. The colour palette, everything comes together, not only through cinematography, but through direction, through every, every aspect of that film. It's just so well handled that there's just so uneasy, even about watching, you know, a scene where two people are talking that's completely unrelated to what's about to go on. There's just so, I don't know if it's how you pick it up or it's subliminal or it's how you pick it up in your eye or whatever, but for me personally, when I watched that film or when I first watched it, I had this uneasy feeling, and that's exactly yeah. what he—that's exactly what Villeneuve's going for. It, like, you know, it's say that everyone's a prisoner, right? Yeah. I mean, because I mean, if if you look at Jackman's character, right, he's technically not a prisoner because he's going like fuck a system. Does become one to win? Like, we're I know saying. he does. I know, but he's going nah. You're waiting around to fucking uh, hear if your daughter's dead or not. Yeah. I'm actually fucking going out and trying to fucking find out the crack. I'm gonna yeah. try and find out what's going on here. Whatever, I'm not a prisoner. You're the fucking prisoner. And the whole idea is that you're pointing because pr- the whole thing's prisoners is plural. You know, yeah. everybody. You know, and it's the idea of you're a prisoner to an idea. Do you know what I mean? And is it uh, is it Terrence Howard? Yes, it is Terrence it's Howard. Terrence Howard, Howard it's, hang on it, there. Yeah, I think it is Terrence Howard. Who's the the, the sort of the family friend? Also, mm-hmm. uh, just just to I sort of just to sort of wrap it up too, and it actually kind of. It's nice and cyclical. We were talking about Lemmer on. I know we're fucking cracking performance by Paul Dano. Yeah. I know we're cracking performance by Paul Dano. I think this episode should just be named the Paul Dano Appreciation uh, episode. This, uh, yeah, <laughs> Paul Dano Appreciation Saturday. <laughs> but, uh, but there's there's that scene. I, I'm, I, yeah, I don't, it is I, Terrence. It is Terrence. But I don't know if I'm remembering remember it correctly, but there's a scene where they, not this part, but they, 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 I think Paul Dano's there and the sink gets ripped apart and I think that is one of these the most intense scenes personally that I've ever watched and it's literally mm. three men in a small bathroom and because of the tight framing and just the intensity of the fucking acting because they're all on fucking the top of their game it is you're just fucking chewing your fucking knuckles you know what I mean it's so mm. well done but anyway great film take it away Mickey fucking serious film eh? right. okay we'll wrap it up there folks I think we've had a lot of topics tonight, and I think you should genuinely respond to something. You know, like, what do you think about American Sniper? Do you think do you think they should have addressed the the whole Iraq War thing more? Like, what what do you think about Idris Elba? Do you think like what what what's going to be his big star vehicle? Like, is, you, is he actually black? Is he actually black? You know, there's controversy there. <laughs> Who's going to be the next James Bond? Is it going to be Paul uh, Dark? Y- y- Who yeah, the fuck? Hey, Who's going to finish this podcast? <laughs> Michael, okay, so on. any of those questions, you can give us any feedback. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies. Or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, ACAS, oh. whatever podcast service you like. Uh, uh, I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Oh, you have. <laughs> Shanko has been Shanko. Yeah. Oh, shit. Calm hands and calm hands. Episode 58, baby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got it right this time. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Let's go.
also, Heron, I watched the Thomas Crown Affair. There is no celery in that film. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan does not eat a stick of celery in that film. You're talking absolute whole. It was a dream, but it was a dream. Maybe you were eating a stick of celery while you were watching it and seeing yourself in the mirror and thought, that cunt looks like a cunt. Heron's but... face, this is the face of a man who's been attacked. <laughs> Maybe you're fucking mad with eating a stick of celery. <laughs> <laughs> She 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 does. She is a healthy she, woman. She, she's a healthy she's woman. She's a healthy woman. Not in that way, but just generally. <laughs> I'll find it. <laughs> hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 